right there. Let's see if you're really ready to watch this movie. Okay, popcorn? Check. Soft drink? Check. Warner Brothers ball cap? Aha! You can't watch a Warner Brothers movie without a Warner Brothers ball cap. Listen, Doc, what if they ordered a Warner Brothers ball cap so they had it next time? Well, uh, here's all you have to do, folks. Just send for this. Uh-oh. A new Warner Brothers catalog. Use it to order your Warner Brothers ball cap. And while you're at it, you can order stuff like T-shirts, posters, movie books, ties. That's neckties. It's all in the catalog, which you can get now by dialing this 900 number. So when you get a chance, call... No, no, they have to call now. They can't watch the movie until they order their new catalog. You're despicable. Don't forget to call, folks. Look for the silver lining Whenever a cloud appears in the blue Remember somewhere the sun is shining So always look for the silver lining And try to find the sunny side of life Pleased to bring you our feature presentation. Hello and welcome to the Past and the Pending Podcast, a podcast about media consumption from both the past and the present. I am your host, Adam Sexton, and it is my pleasure to bring another self-indulgent two- to three-hour episode, because at this point, these episodes are dropping on average at least once a month, and that's the most consistent that I have been with content so far. But for this episode, we have a returning guest. Uh, he is known by many names, uh, Adam of the Bay Area. If you're uh, nowhere in Mulberry, ET, uh, Entertainment Landfill podcast listener, uh, he also has other names such as King of the Drops, which is what I like to refer to him as. Uh, other names include Mother of Dragons, the Ayatollah of Rock and Rolla, the last thing you say before you die, he who must not be named. But anyway, all that aside, it's Mr. Adam Howard who is returning for his fourth episode. Mr. Howard, thank you for returning. Oh, thank you for having me, man. I've really been looking forward to just chit-chatting and catching up and uh, talk about what I've been consuming. So I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for having me back. Yes, uh, we have uh, tried uh, a couple of times in the past month or two to try to get together and continue the uh, conversation that we started earlier this summer, but obviously life got in the way, and uh, Mr. Uh, Jason Wallstrom was kind enough to kind of save the day because uh, otherwise I, I wouldn't know if I would have put anything out last month. But here we are, and uh, we can continue on wh whatever whatever the hell we couldn't talk about last time. I don't know. 
Sounds good to me, man. You know, speaking of that last podcast, I listened to almost all of it, but I didn't want to get spoiler too much on the uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because I haven't seen mm-hmm. it yet. I really want to see it. I've heard lots of good things, and I can't wait to listen to you guys talk about it in depth, you know? But uh, yeah. uh, but uh, from everything else that was going on on the show, it was a super awesome episode. V- thoroughly entertained. Good job. Thank you. Well done, sir. Thank you. Thank you very much. It was yeah. uh, it was a pleasure to do it, and I I'm still surprised by the runtime of it. But I just figured when uh, when Jay Jaystrom is kind enough to uh, appear on your podcast, I figure why not why not go all out? Uh, who, who knows whenever you'll get another chance? So uh, uh, so yeah, I'm I'm very proud of it. I listened to it recently. Uh, especially since uh, he was kind enough to actually put it on his podcast feed and it got more listens because of that. So uh, yeah, I'm grateful for the exposure, but to be reminded that uh, guests like you and Jason uh, really make, you know, putting this thing together uh, actually worth, worth the effort. That's cool, man. Yeah, that's totally cool. I enjoy being on. I enjoy hanging out, you know, and I'm, I'm happy to be back. And uh, I'm, I'm liking, I'm liking the direction things are going. You know what I mean? Like you're mm-hmm. picking up some steam here. I feel like, and uh, Jason and Stephen getting back to rare, our old form. And uh, it was so good to hear from Mike on, um, you know, a few podcasts ago from Chinstroker versus Punter. And yes. uh, did you? I don't know if you listened on Friday, but uh, there was a Rick Lidster voicemail. I I got into the chat room really late for like the last 20 30 minutes uh okay. and it was mentioned that Rick had recorded his uh his voicemail uh so that will be something to look forward to when Jason puts the episode out I uh, can't wait yeah. Yeah. I love that all of our most of our regulars are coming back and letting it's us great. know that everyone is still alive and consuming pop culture and entertainment and listening to the podcast. It's a uh, it's a it's a golden age for uh, ETL right now. I think so, man. I think I think you summed it up perfectly. That's for mm-hmm. sure. Okay, so hey, another thing, you're a really good interviewer. I mean, I know you were interviewing me about things that were all about me, so I was like just gushing. It's like, oh, this is wonderful. But um, I, I really enjoyed the format of you talking with Jason, and I really yeah. enjoyed. You know, that was good. That was very good. And now it made me want to ask you a few questions. Okay. Okay. Now you know my podcast history, how I got into it. <laughs> um, I'm not 100% clear on yours. Like, what's the first time you heard about a podcast? First time I heard about a podcast was when my brother purchased an iPod for the first time. This had to have been like maybe 2006 or so. Okay. I don't remember. I don't remember how long those devices had been out in the market, but he had like one of those white those white uh colored like the old classic uh model with the uh the click wheel or whatever yeah. they called it. Yeah. And he hooked it. Uh, he had he had the necessary uh, hookups to listen to it in the car because we would usually drive together certain places like church or whatever. And I was just staring at this thing, just completely <laughs> baffled by uh, by the whole idea of. It. I was like, "Wow, you could store audio files on this thing!" And 
of course, that just planned to see that I must get one whenever I have enough disposable income uh, from the paychecks that I was from the jobs that I was uh, having at the time. And I at the time I had like a part time uh, custodial job and a part time freelancing journalism job. So uh, it just uh, as soon as I can get to a weekend where the expenses could kind of not be as much or get out of the way i would just jump at the first opportunity and got one uh downloaded the itunes uh program uh to my laptop and went to the store and discovered of course yes uh you can rip cds to make audio files to fit on there but as far as downloading anything especially music you're gonna have to pay for it but then i noticed that there were podcasts uh available and i didn't really know which one to jump off with now at the time i'm i'm on the internet uh with with a you know just as reg with about as much regularity as anyone else and like you i was starred for content that for uh interests that were you know related to me you, I, I remember you talking about you heard like some news, uh, like, like some uh, podcast info from PC Gamer, or you just heard like a ten-minute or fifteen-minute clip, and you just wanted more of that. Uh, I don't know. Had, were you familiar at all with One uh, uh, Up.com? No, I mean okay. I am now, but back then, no. right? Back then, uh, I, I was still. Uh, a reader of Electronic Gaming Monthly, mm. and I kept noticing in their pages that they kept having information about their website. Most magazines, I guess, back then had uh, like a website version, and maybe on that website they would have content that they couldn't put in the magazine, and it would be expounded upon. But the uh, One Up dot com had their own little podcast network, and so I decided to start giving their content uh, a chance and downloaded episodes for retro knots because yeah, talking about nice. games is of course going to uh, win me right over there was also things like uh, uh, one up yours which was very you know very silly but very influential in, in terms of just video game podcast how they usually do their format you got your introductions you got some news you got what we've been playing and then they've got topics uh you know a handful of topics that will carry them throughout the end of the episode many podcasts since then have done that uh, there were other ep- there were other shows in the podcast network that I got in maybe to a little little later such as games for windows uh, or GFW, uh, which is kind of like one of yours, but it was also a little bit crazier, very much heavy on tangents. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, those one up, uh, dot com podcasts were like my first taste of it. And I would just can try to go on the, uh, iTunes store and click on the related tab that every podcast had to see if there's, more things that I can listen to. My my iPod for the longest time had more podcasts than it did music. Oh yeah, and me too. All the yeah. time. Yeah, 
yeah, so I mean, from there, you I started listening to anything that uh, Scott Johnson made from the oh, Frog yeah. Pants community. Huge, I was a huge fan. Ross yeah, turned well, me on to them too. Ross is like the dude that hooks me up with all this good stuff. Right. Uh, I I want I I think it was like November November of twenty uh, two thousand of like two thousand eight. 2008 or 2009 that I wanted to give World of Warcraft a chance. I yes. my laptop uh, could actually run the minimum spec, the minimum requirements for it, and uh, tried the little seven day free trial, and that was it. As soon as I hit the next paycheck, gotta go into Walmart, get that little battle chest, and uh, hook mm-hmm. everything up. But in the meantime. What am I going to listen to to kind of uh, like stoke the flames for my interest for this game? And well, there was the instance. It was even then one of the highest rated uh, podcasts regarding World of Warcraft coverage. And uh, you just find these these uh, these podcast shows, and you it's it's not so much the information that hooks you in it's the personalities you're getting into right. and that's that's one of the things that made Noor and Mulberry uh, accessible for me it's it's not so much that uh, all, all their conversation topics are perfect it's that you got three three guys with very different dynamic personalities that are just you know uh going with each other i mean there's a great little rapport that that shows up and that was the sure. thing that that was the thing that worked for me so yeah it was pretty much a starting board from uh, a starting point i should say from oneup.com and then from everything else uh the more i got used with the format the more that i was more confident in trying things right so uh, i mean you talked about in the previous episode about that little uh anecdote with the the pc gamer gaming minute or whatever they called it yeah uh, and then ross got you into certain things uh, is your is your progression as a podcast listener pretty much the same or any different? I mean, is there were, were there certain programs that got you used to the format? Anything that that stood out at all? Yeah, I was um, a huge, huge Disney nerd back mm-hmm. then, and I, I still am to some degree, but I'm, I'm not so hardcore as I was when I was younger. Um, and uh, I, there was this one called the Mickey Room, and uh, I, I just loved it. It was this couple from Texas. They were uh, just super like salt of the earth type folk. And uh, they they had like a young son and they would go to Disney World quite often. And they would come to Disneyland sometimes. And uh, I ended up establishing a relationship with them and had a pretty good friendship with them. And I was even like a guest on their show. And oh, it was wow. like, yeah, it was like real early stuff, bro. Like this is a... Uh, I think this was when my son was like just born or maybe before. So like maybe like 2006, I think somewhere in there. And um, yeah, I, I really liked that one. And uh, I, I did, I do remember listening to retro knots and I, I'm pretty sure as you were talking about one up.com, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, I think I've heard some of these, you know, um, I mm. like, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I probably did. I like when you said rant heavy, I'm like, Oh shoot, that's, that's all those dudes did back in the day. Like they would just get on, uh, you know, a, a tangent and, uh, yeah. it was, sometimes it was entertaining. Sometimes it was annoying, but, uh, I listened to like, 
Nintendo podcasts and stuff too. Uh, there was this one called Lithcast. It, honestly, dude, it was not. It was it was like I was listening to it because of how bad it was. But um, the dude like, <laughs> but the dude had like this is gonna sound weird probably, but the dude had like a very soothing voice, and it was kind of like an early ASMR thing. Like I don't oh, know no. if you, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and I loved it, and so, um, but yeah, it was not really a great <laughs> podcast, but. Um, I remember Ross playing, um, uh, I think it was ex- my ex- like my Extra Life or something like that, a Scott Johnson podcast. I don't remember the exact title. But, yes. Uh, yes. Was, now, was that was that one fully, like, did you ever listen to the World of Warcraft podcast that he did? That's how Ross found out about him, because yeah, Ross was in- playing WoW. The Instance was the first. The first Instance, of, uh, okay, okay. Bets, yeah. Yeah, and th- that tied into the game somehow. The instance was that like, what does the instance mean? The, What's the reference? Yeah, the instance is basically if if uh, if my video game uh, parlance is it, it's basically like basically like an area or like a uh, area of the map that you drop in, like say like a dungeon or or uh, something like that. <laughs> okay, gotcha. It, it, as far as the the gaming as far as the gaming uh uh version of it can't believe you actually got me looking up how what the instance. <laughs> okay, yes, instance dungeon. Here we go from Wikipedia because that's how we nice. Work. Read now. it to me. Tell okay. me. Okay, in massively multiplayer online games, an instance is a special area, typically a dungeon, that generates a new copy of the location for each group or for a certain number of players that enters the area. Instancing, the general term for the use of this technique, addresses several problems encountered by players in the shared spaces of virtual worlds. It is not known widely when instances instances were first used in this genre. However, the Realm Online from 1996 is sometimes credited as introducing the concept. So, so yeah, uh, I mean, the instance was just basically uh, Scott Johnson and his host trying to keep their finger on the pulse of what was happening to that game. Things to do tips or tricks from them or uh listeners and uh basically the their uh their enthusiasm and their wealth of knowledge became so much the point that they would be able to get information from blizzard or have key members of blizzard's uh management team to come on and do interviews so they so uh, rightfully so, so they were like this podcast authority on the game and eventually that would spread to other blizzard uh related games because scott johnson and his cohorts are blizzard fans and with good reason oh yeah good reason yeah for sure um yeah that's that, that's so awesome did now did you ever uh listen to it while you raided or while you were grinding or something like that? <laughs> well, interestingly, no, because uh, I was trying to pay attention to what was going on. Uh, it, did you ever play World of Warcraft? I never played. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, it, one of the things that struck me was just, you know, it's, 
production quality uh, was even apparent, even if you were trying to run it on a, you know, old laptop like the one I had. But the the music was great, and eventually I worked out how to hook up a headset so I could chat with members of the guild that I was with instead of just texting them all the way through. That's you could awesome. Get you could communicate a whole lot better, especially if you were in a fight or a dungeon or an instance, uh, one could say. But I know I, I, I do that on games now, uh, especially if they're just like single player stuff. But uh, to listen to music or podcast or whatever while I'm trying to uh, do something like that, I, I feel like I need I need my ears for whatever's going on for the game, True. at least in True. that particular game. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, what? Uh, let's see. What was the? Uh, what level? Did you ever make it to level seventy? Uh, I want to say I did with maybe just one character. The other ones, the others were just uh, anywhere from like uh, sixty or twenty or thirty. Uh, I think I made when I before I had wrapped up. Before I stopped playing World of Warcraft because my the the game's minimum requirements soon you know grew so high that my laptop couldn't keep up. I think I had gotcha. like maybe six or seven tunes or characters in that game, and only one of them was like level seventy. So, uh, so yeah, that's cool. Uh, what uh, uh, what guild were you in? Oh man, I can't even remember the name of the guild. <laughs> I can remember the name of names of certain players, and one of them I still kind of have some contact with on uh, Facebook. But I'm trying to remember the name of the guild, and I can't for the life of me figure <laughs> it out. I wonder if if I logged into Blizzard or something, and hopefully I could remember my password or something. Maybe it would give me information on that, but I. I I would be really surprised if the guild was even uh, even still around at this point. It wasn't. It was. It was enough for a time, for like maybe you know I want to say like fifty people, and then as time went on, you know, it some people would drop out, join other guilds, and uh, it, it was just one of those things where uh, the you know loyalty to the guild for or for lack of a better term wasn't as prominent and not at least with the the guild that we had i mean you know we you had a strong you had a strong uh presence in terms of members and then you know life or other distractions or other games uh basically left that number dwindling and decreasing and uh after a while few people a uh, few people worried about it. It was just, you know, look, if I have to get into an instance with a bunch of random strangers, and that's just that's just the way it'll have to be. Right. And, uh, for me, I didn't near the end without. I I, I didn't really go into dungeons without uh, people that I knew or people that I trusted because you're going to encounter jerks. Who wow. just don't know how to get along with people. The majority of the content that I was doing uh, for MMO was basically solo stuff. So, uh, so I I wasn't getting the best loot. I wasn't leveling up as fast as I wa- as you know one could. Mm-hmm. But I was just playing the game at my own pace uh, and not having to 
to deal with any drama from anyone else. That's crazy, man. So interesting how that is just its own little world. It's really yeah. crazy. And I've never, never seen anything like it uh, since. I, I, I keep wondering if I should try like Elder Scrolls Online or something like that. Uh, now that you know I've got a console that can actually run it, but right. uh, I, nothing is ever going to blow me away like the way that I got into that game and saw all these players going, all these little characters running about the uh the the uh the world and getting on one of those griffins and flying from one location and you can look down from your griffin in real time and just see all these players moving about the map the the feeling that this this game world was alive was was always so prominent and and it just blew my mind that the technology had now catched up to the point where you could see this and you could feel like you were i mean the immersion was just that great wow wow yeah. that's really well described that's crazy man that sounds amazing it's so neat game changer you know game changer. <laughs> exactly <laughs> i mean but, but what about what about you i mean have you ever toyed with anything uh with an mmo or anything close to no i've never i've never uh got in that way the most i've ever done is just played online with friends or like me and my son would have really epic like worlds of Minecraft where I would, um, I would just really immerse myself, you know, like when I used to, um, play, um, like basketball games, like I mm -hmm. would, I would want to like make sure I was getting every player on the team an equal number of points. And I would, I would like insert myself into those game like situations, almost like, in a fantasy type uh, way, you know what yeah. I mean? And, and so um, when I played that game, I just thought, man, like what if that was your real, <laughs> this sounds so dorky, but what if that was your real consciousness? Like what if you were in that world? Like what if you woke up and that was your world? And so right. now they have it on virtual reality and I haven't played it, but I, I, I saw, I've seen some YouTube videos about it and it's like, whoa, you can almost really do that. <laughs> you know, you can almost make it like that. So we would just play, I would play really safe and I would play just like I would if there was real monsters outside. And so I really like even, you know, was just trying to use my imagination and play it. And me and my son would go on some epic adventures and we have, we have, and it's interesting. I just heard someone on a podcast talk about this, but we had like, I have memories being, you know, like there with him. And uh, mm -hmm. if I've, if I've said it before on the podcast, I can't remember if I've talked about it, but I don't want to sound like a broke record, but it's like, there's just actual, like, I remember being in this cave and my son was fell in the lava and so I was, and so like he had a bunch of like good stuff that we had just looted in this mine. Mm -hmm. And I, I tried to put a block down for him so he could jump on it. And what ended up happening was I put it right in front of him as he was trying to jump out. And I blocked him in in a way uh, where he like <laughs> mel him. melted and I buried him alive. And he cried. Like I remember oh. he cried. He was so upset because it was like, dude, we just worked so hard getting all that loot. Oh. And then now we have to like give it up. Like, you know, and it, it was, it was really, uh, yeah, it was drastic. It was dramatic at that time. And that's how into it we were, you know, how, 
Oh, I mean, I'm not trying to make fun of Lawrence, but how how young was he at this time? Oh yeah, he was a little guy. He was like seven, probably wow. seven or eight. Yeah, we would just. It was cool, man. We would we would we had a bunch of different worlds, and we always had like a little <laughs> goal in mind, and we'll still like reminisce and talk about certain worlds we played on and certain things we did, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it was cool. Um, can I ask you your opinion on Leroy Jenkins? Okay, you may, but I don't know if I have uh, <laughs> if I have much to say. What What's your question? I'm just like, do you uh, do you remember that video? Like, did you like have you ever seen that before? The video where they were getting ready to raid on uh, World of Warcraft, and they're like getting their, their plan together, and then like he just I think they're gonna fight a dragon or something, and this one player is just like. Let's do this. He's like, let's do this, Leroy Jenkins, and he just like runs in and like tries to fight it. And the guys on the guild are like, no, what are you doing? No, no. And they're like all upset because they all like. I guess it took a lot of time to get there and prep for this raid or whatever they were getting ready to do. And he just yeah. like goes in there ahead of time, like a, like a hero on a cartoon or something. It became like a famous. You know, I didn't know the word meme back then, but it was basically a meme that went around and was super popular. <laughs> you don't remember that or never heard of that? I I've, I don't remember seeing the video, but I've heard it described to me uh, okay. very, mu- very much, very much like that. <laughs> he, yeah, I mean... Uh, like someone who's ignorant of the strategy and then just rushes right into the fighting. <laughs> exactly. Yes, exactly. Yes. Very I don't, good. I don't recall ever playing with any randos who would do that. I would, I, I would, <laughs> however, meet, come across a player or two who would rush in there like a tank or something and would just rush in there expecting that everyone else was following him. Uh, we haven't even worked out a strategy, and that led to some really ugly, uh, ugly moments. At least text-wise, I mean, it never, it never got anything, uh, never got any, any dot more dire than just you know him saying some curse words or whatever. But it was just sure. sad. It was just which. For a, a game like that requires some good communication and uh, people aren't work. I mean, some people aren't working as a team. Some people just think, you know, they can, you know, do it all by themselves. And well, I mean, they, they learn their lesson. Uh, and it, and sometimes it really confused me. Sometimes I wonder, okay, well, uh, maybe I'm just not as good of a healer as, uh, you know, I, as I should be. But then again, I don't want to, go in there and get killed because everyone's going to complain at me about, you know, where's my heels, man? I've died. Are you going to res me? uh, (laughs) It was just this impossible situation. And I can remember somewhere between the third or fourth expansion where uh, the way that the way that, because I mostly played healer classes, uh, the way that healers use their, mana resource changed to the point where I just couldn't, I couldn't deal out the mana, couldn't mm-hmm. deal out the heals as well as I could in the older previous versions of the game. And that was frustrating to me because you, you use it all up and then it'd have to regenerate. And meanwhile, members of your team are taking damage and uh, I'm just sitting there going, man, I'd heal you if I could, but I can't, I'm waiting for it to come back. It's this, sucks. Wow. but, um, 
but yeah, that's that's just the way that games are. You have to you have to really think about uh, the situation and your resources, and you've got to kind of plan ahead. But it also helps when your group can communicate with you. So uh, so yeah, being with uh, helpful members of a guild that would show you the ropes and kind of explain the game world to you that that made a difference, and that's something I that I wonder if not everyone gets a chance to when they could come across an experienced player who doesn't mind uh, helping them out. Uh, yeah, you know with the game mechanics. So, so yeah, uh, yeah. That's 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 the, some of the things that I can rem- remember about that game. But it stuck with me. It it real and it really drew me onto role-playing games as a whole, as a whole, as a genre. I don't, I don't know if, uh, uh, I think that was the thing that got me into them the most. I, I seem to remember on an earlier episode of this podcast, maybe it was the first time that you were on where it was either you or the guy who came before, I think it was, uh, uh, Joe or or Mike Step, he's his his real name and his handle are kind of a mishmash. It's kind of weird to explain. Where I always claim that it was uh, the Sega Genesis game Fantasy Star Two that got me into RPGs, or the first one that I played. And I, I've always considered that thing to be the gateway drug, but really World of Warcraft was just the full-on education in terms of how those game systems usually work. So, uh, so yeah, any help that you can get would be great, but for a lot of people, they probably just had to learn it all by their own, and uh, that's just not really the way that that game should be played. I think you should have help. Hmm. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. What what um, what other fantasy games did you play after that? Like, what was what were some of the ones that uh, got you? you well, know, got their hooks in you. Well, uh, eventually, like through say like a, a virtual console uh, like uh, option on like the Wii or something, I would be getting into all these uh, RPG games that were on the Super Nintendo that I did not get into. Nice. Uh, the closest Thing. The closest thing I got was, I think, you know, Legend of Zelda: a Link to the Past has some RPG elements to it, but it's mostly action adventure or whatever. Uh, Act right. Razor was probably the the closest thing to an RPG. Uh, most of the games that I had for my Super Nintendo were rented at the uh, often mentioned in this podcast, the Pleasant Plains Video Mart. They didn't really have a whole lot of selection in terms of RPGs. I think they had like Sim City, and they had Act Razor. And Act Razor is kind of like uh, like a like Sim City and a two D side scroller uh, where you fight enemies and bosses. It is like you basically play as a god for this fictional country where you're building it up and defending it from monsters or other gods or whatever. And, uh, that was the, I mean, it was a fun game to play, but the mechanics didn't take in a way where I would just jump right into final fantasy. Uh, Mm. because, uh, I remember having access to like the, the PlayStation games, you know, seven, eight and nine, but really being scared off by just how in depth those 
game systems were, <laughs> despite yeah. the fact that those cutscenes were, I mean, and still to I this know. day, they're, they are very well done. Very well done, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I mentioned Fantasy Star 2. Fantasy Star 2 it did not age very well, despite <laughs> its uh, influence. Uh, Fantasy Star 4, which was the last uh, game in the classic Fantasy Star saga uh, for the Sega Genesis, is a much better, well-rounded game. And I played that quite a lot. I, I never finished it because it requires, you know, a lot of grinding. But it is fun to play. So, uh, so basically, games like that. But uh, from the Wii Virtual Console, I played Chrono Trigger. I played Secret of Mana, Super Mario RPG. Oh, awesome! Uh, just catching up on a whole lot of uh, gaming experiences that I didn't have access to, and those games right. really cost so much back then uh and off the virtual console you could get them for like the equivalent of ten dollars or so yeah good deal so, um and, and in fact one of the th- the gaming topics i was wanting to talk about uh i kind of wish that i i only recently discovered it i kind of wish i discovered it when i was a teenager because i think i would have gotten to the genre a whole lot better and you're gonna like this <laughs> because I don't know about you, but I know your kids are into it. One of the first voicemails of yours that I heard uh, on Noor and Mulberry were you were recording voicemail while driving and your kids were in the car. And I guess you guys were going to pick up, what was it, Pokemon cards or something? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, or something like that. Uh I got a 2DS earlier this year, uh, and it's one of the little cheese wedge uh, uh, versions of the, yeah, the cool. portable. Got one for like 30 bucks. It was a steal. Dang, nice. Awesome. And uh, this past year on the uh, 3DS uh, eStore, they put out the Game, the, uh, Game Boy and Game Boy Color versions of the uh the pokemon early pokemon game so you can get gold red and blue and then uh or yellow and then pokemon gold and silver and crystal and wow yeah i was told that gold and uh silver and uh to an another to an even greater extent crystal were like the best of those early generation pokemon games and got into it and uh so i've started playing that recently and i've only bought the first two i've only played one of them because there's just a whole lot of things to do but that game uh i was initially resistant to that franchise mostly because most of of what i knew about the game was the uh anime series or the movies that came out they were clearly not uh, aimed at me, I just really took no interest in them. But the game does such a good job at explaining RPG mechanics for a game that I wish that was the one that uh, that I, that was the gateway drug for me because it it would have done the trick, and and I f- think that probably did it to millions of uh, kids who grew up with those games. Uh, yeah. Were you, were you one of those or was that just something that you uh, experienced through with your kids? Um, I, I just remembered it as a, a cartoon and I knew that Nintendo was tied into it somehow. 
And uh, but I never really got into it. I never played the card game until uh, Lawrence when he got into the cards. And even then, I didn't quite understand it. I didn't really like it. And I was really <laughs> glad he didn't want me to keep playing it with him because I was like, whoa, that was painful. But maybe had I learned it the right way, it would have been a different story. But I remember some of my friends um, from uh, they lived on the same street as we that we did. They were uh, quite a bit older than me and they had kids quite a bit younger than me. But they really got into it. They used to go up to Toys R Us and have tournaments and stuff. Oh, and, wow. uh, yeah, I remember hearing about that. But the only game I'm, I never... I have never been, and I really don't see myself ever getting into a turn-based fighting game. And that's really? always been the turn. Yeah, that's always been the turnoff for me with the Final Fantasy games and with mm-hmm. um, the Pokemon games. But um, this this newest Pokemon game that came out on the Switch looks pretty good. It looks pretty interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and but uh, but my other exposure to Pokemon was um, Pokemon Snap uh, when yeah. I was when I was first married back in two thousand five. I was um, I was going through like a collecting phase with Nintendo 64, and that was back when you could still get like a garage sale find for like twenty dollars with like six yep. games. You know, now it's like everyone wants a hundred bucks for that same thing, and it's just like holy smokes! I'm used to find them for five bucks mm-hmm. at like the Goodwill. You know what I mean? Um, but uh, I was I I think my wife told me that she really liked that game, and. Uh, I was like, wow, okay, cool. So I, I think I found it like for sale. I think it was like for two dollars at Toys R Us in like a clear out that and Perfect Dark. And so I was like, <laughs> oh, dope. Came up on that. And uh, I like, did you ever play Pokemon Snap? Uh, no, I I did not. My uh, I want to say my sister uh, uh, played. Uh, Played one of the, uh, the Nintendo sixty four Pokemon games, but it was the Puzzle League game. Oh, okay. Uh, which is basically, uh, t- uh, I want to say it's like Tetris Attack, but with uh, you know Pokemon stuff all over it. But right. n- but no, I, uh, I I don't think I ever did. It's basically a rail shooter. You know, like I had this impression that what it was going to be was like a mixture of what it ended up being and Mario 64. So I thought you would just be in this 3d environment and your goal was to go out and search for Pokemon and to capture them in in their element, but it's a rail shooter. So it was still fun. It was still a fun game, but um, it didn't have as much longevity as it could have been if they would have developed it into that type of, you know, like more of an adventure game, but maybe they just, I don't know, just a different idea, I guess. But I always thought that would have been real fun. But yeah, I uh, yeah. That, that's my only real. Well, and then I have a um, Pokemon version of a Nintendo sixty four. Have you ever seen that? Where it's like Pikachu is on yeah. the console. It's like a blue yes, and yellow. Yes, yes, I've seen I've seen one of those. Yeah, I have that. So that's pretty. <laughs> that's pretty much my only real. You know, um, that's all. That's as deep as I've ever taken a dive into Pokemon. But I, yeah. I do want to. I mean, I know that those. Uh, the purple and the crystal and all that. I remember hearing those talked about on a Nintendo podcast that I would listen to. And it's tons of entertainment, you know, like tons of it. And you know what? And this is kind of a nice segue into what I wanted to talk about um, in terms of gaming. And that's today. I watched um, this really cool YouTube channel. It's called uh, the gaming historian. Have you ever seen those videos? 
I think I've heard of that that channel, but I have not watched anything from it. Yeah, it's real. I like it. I'll put it on sometimes when I'm doing dishes or doing chores or whatever, and it's like it's good enough to just listen to. You know, it's nice to watch also. But um, he he was talking about Link's Awakening on the Game Boy, mm-hmm. and I just was really kind of blown away by some of the interesting things that were in that game, and apparently. Um, I think Link to the Past, they wanted to incorporate a lot of elements that ended up in Link's Awakening in okay. um, in that game. But they just, I don't know if they, I forget if they couldn't do it because of schedule or just because of like disk space. But I'm like, well, wait, I mean, it's, it's a Game Boy game. So obviously like they, I don't know, maybe they, because it's a lower resolution, maybe they could have added more to those cards. I don't know. But maybe, or maybe it was just a creative thing. They didn't get to yeah. add the ideas, but it had the first time that you could combine an items like you could uh, make a bone arrow or like arrow bombs so that yeah. you could like shoot them at things like and um there's a lot of uh creative decisions and a lot of like game mechanisms that they added in that game that they said you wouldn't have um you know you wouldn't be able to have things like the ocarina of time which is some would say it's a, one of the best games ever made. I mean, yeah. you know, guys our age anyways. And um, and they said that uh, because of the things that came out of Link's Awakening, but there's uh, there's interesting cameos like Luigi, Yoshi, Kirby, hmm. to name a few. Yeah. And uh, it's just uh, the, the, the two ladies made the music, and I don't know their names. I didn't write them down. You have, I would really encourage people to listen, to watch the video. It's very interesting. Um, but the ladies that composed it, they had never composed video games before. And I think he said that the themes in the game, like carry on to other games. And it's almost like a staple of Zelda, uh, soundtracks now. And just, uh, it was, it's just neat. You know, it's, I I mean, it's one of those games where, I mean, I just thought I was thinking about it today. I never played it when I was younger, but I just, I, I think it's, so interesting. I think it must have been a game changer at that time. I think it must have been a real like, whoa, look what we can do on this little handheld device. Because I yeah. remember like playing Tetris and I remember playing Super Mario, uh, like the Super Mario World or whatever it was that was on the Game Boy. And I remember getting really far in it. But I didn't ever play adventure games like that. It was always sports games and just quick little puzzle games here and there, you know? Um, yeah. But I'm just like, man, that is incredible, the amount of detail that is in this game, you know. And it's similar to the experience you would get on the NES with the first Zelda game. Uh, but it's just lower resolution, lower graphics, yellow and black screen, you know. But other than that, I mean, it just seemed to have a very deep, rich world to it and a great little puzzle game. And I'm just like, man, that's like that was cutting cutting edge technology, um, like create creatively as well, though. Like just the ability to put to take the hardware to take what little you have, and make a, an adventure out of it is just really kind of like wow to me, you know? Right, right. Uh, I owned uh, a Game Boy Advance uh, SP. That was the one, that was the version of the handheld that would fold like a clamshell design, yeah, where you could just yeah. stick it in, spock it, and not worry about you know, anything getting broken or dirt getting into the console. And that was backwards compatible with Game Boy uh, cartridges. And uh, I was, that was how I first played Link's Awakening. And yeah, it, it, it it very much was this, 
mind-blowing take that they were able to cram that much content and make it look as good as they possibly could on a handheld system. Um, but, I mean, they they really thought it through. I mean, y- you and I on previous episodes of this podcast have marveled at how how much time uh, you know companies like Nintendo would spend on these games because these days... If it's missing something, something's broke, they'll just patch it. Back then, <laughs> right, they yeah. had to work at it and work at it, and they w- wouldn't release it until it was finished. Yeah. And something was broken. I mean, that's that's just that's just the way it is. But I mean, their their track record back then was kind of mar was kind of marvelous. Um very few instances where where maybe like a a, a well loved game of theirs doesn't hold up at least visually uh one of the virtual console ties that i bought for my 2ds was super mario brothers 3 and mm. the colors look weird for that game there's some screen tearing at times it, the game still plays just fine but right. really the best version of that game was on the super mario all-stars uh, yeah definitely super nintendo yeah. but uh i still bought it and still played it but i mean even for back then, I can, uh, we, I mean, we can both remember just how, just how crazy, you know, and how much content filled those games were, and it never felt like it was daunting or that it would, you know, scare you off. It, it would be yeah. right for something that you could return to. And what a, and what a, um, I mean, just what an awesome achievement because. It was like the the first Mario game on the Nintendo. I mean, just the physics, they just they they figured it all out. Like they just did it so well for the first concept of that time. Like I mean, that, yeah. that's that's a poor way of saying it. What I'm trying to say is that there was no other games like it at that time. It was a first of its kind, and there's been many to come afterwards that the physics just they just can't figure it out. It's just yeah. clunky. It feels like you're driving a semi on ice. It's just, it's, it's weird. It's, it's Sonic the Hedgehog in my opinion. <laughs> Dude, I was just going to say that. I, I, I played it the other day because my son, well, not the other day. It was years ago now, but I remember playing it on one of those re-release versions. On like the, I think it was for the PS3 or the Xbox 360. Right. It's like yeah. Sega Classics. And I'm like, what the heck? I can't. The, the controls are so bad because I had been playing a lot of Mario games recently, you know what I mean, at that time. Yeah. And uh, I just remember it feeling so terrible. But yeah, that's a great testament. Sonic was a huge game. Sonic was big, it was popular, and it was fun. I loved it back then. But it has nothing on the controls of a Mario game. The, no. Just the way that that world is, the controls are super tight, and they just paved the road for anybody, I mean, to be able to try to compare or try to do something similar, you know? Right. And in can, from a game design perspective, even those earlier games are kind of, uh, puzzling to me. You've, you've got the, I mean, you've got a character who just seems like he's built for a speed run, but you've got these levels that have a lot of nooks and a lot of crannies, uh, yes. and exploration. And, it, and it, you don't, you're not given a character, that's built for something like that. You don't, it's like Mario, when he (laughs) controls, when he jumps, you have, or when he runs, you have a sense of inertia to his movements. You can kind of carefully gauge how you should time a jump or something with Sonic. I, 
I could never I can never get his character movements pinned down. I would always get hit by something and boom, all the rings go away. So it uh. just it's <laughs> Uh, you you'd have to you'd have to have like some a, a a strong sense of strength and fortitude to not be discouraged by losing all that progress and all those rings. <laughs> but but if, if, but I you know and I you know I can I I can talk about how baffled I am about it. But yet those games are so popular. So one popular. thing that one thing that isn't. Uh, that isn't deniable is that the Mario games has had a much stronger track record than Sonic. I, I heard some great things about that last Sonic game that came out like a year ago or something. That's like, okay, so out of how many Sonic games, there's maybe only a handful of them that anyone would call classic. And yet here's Mario who's just innovating and refining (laughs) decades onward after the fact it's uh, and yes people are going to listen to this episode and think always oh, just taking pot shots at sonic but you know and and i can do that that's fair not sure. every game's going to work but just to illustrate uh j- just how well they nailed the mechanics for the mario series and how they didn't transfer to say to to sonic and yet for the most part so, the devotees don't really seem to mind that. I that's for me personally. That just that just never computed. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I think that uh, the devotees were. Uh, that's what happened there. You know, like the yeah. Sonic fans were like a real hardcore like cult. Not, I mean, not culty, but just like they they were with him. They just right. loved that one for whatever yeah. reason. And I feel like the. Mario games are much more Disney, much more everyone, much more available, much more control. You know what I mean? You can play as yeah. a family. I've never. I mean, I'm sure there are some hardcores out there that play Sonic as a family, but most people have a Nintendo Switch or a Wii. I think it was the Wii. I mean, the. I mean, come on. It's when they released the new Super Mario Brothers on the uh, on the Wii. It was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. It was like that totally got me back into the games big time. And yeah. I remember. Having a ton of good memories, beating levels, playing with my cousins. I mean, just good stuff, man. Good stuff. I've, and <laughs> I, I've uh, I've also heard and read and experienced to some minor degree that even with that game, there were so many op- so many uh, opportunities to. Uh, <laughs> to really screw someone over or kill oh, them yeah. by accident. That that I, I guess that happened a lot with you. Oh yeah, big time, big time. I mean, we were all we were all pretty cool about it. But yeah. uh, I remember I used to listen to the indoor kids, Camille Nagiani and yes, uh, Emily yes. Gordon. Yeah, yes. and they were they were like, "Gosh, that game is like a marriage ender," because <laughs> <laughs> they would like <laughs> mess each other up all the time. But yeah, I think um, I think my wife's been upset with me a time or two, and oh, uh, no. you know, vice versa. But yeah, those were those were cool games, man. And what can you say about Mario games? I mean, just I love them so much. You know, my, Mario sixty four was my jam. Like I loved that game. Yeah, so much. I've probably talked about it before on here. I'm sure I can't. My memory sucks, so I don't know. But um, but yeah, man. Like the that that was really that was a really uh, interesting video and i encourage everybody to, to watch that links awakening 
video and and, and other videos by him too. You know, I've he's got like real in depth like history of each console, um, and it's it's worth. I've already listened to those, so I, I just stay updated on the newer stuff. But uh, I would check his uh, it's the gaming historian. Check it out. It's, it's worth your time. Okay, gaming historian. Yeah, um, yeah. It, just now talking about retro retro gaming systems and the games that came with them also reminded me i think i mentioned this into a voicemail to etl that i sent back like maybe a month or so ago but uh it there's a youtube channel called uh, pixel game squad and oh, dude, it's kind of like a amazing. network it's a, it's a network of of different kinds of videos but one of them is this uh, this game series, this channel series called My Retro Life by this guy named Tyler Esposito, and Tyler is obviously your know, kid of the '80s and '90s, and he was lucky to have a dad who did two things, two or three things. Uh, he was a you know enthusiastic uh, collector of games and game consoles. And he videotaped everything. That's crazy. So Tyler uh, not only got... uh, There's all this video footage, all this evidence of him getting, uh, you know, gaming systems like, you know, like Sega Genesis or Super Nintendo or even Atari Jaguar or Sega CD and all these games for it. His father even knew about... Uh, how to get import games. So for like some of those Sega systems where the American, the North American titles were underwhelming, but the Japanese titles were amazing. Uh, he would be able to get all this stuff. I believe he, they got a Japanese Nintendo 64. So they got the console earlier nice. for the U S so awesome. release. Uh, but anyway, Tyler, uh, edited these videos together and basically gave him like a new life. And I remembered uh, Jason was talking about the uh, TurboGrafx-16 Mini that was about to come out. Oh, yeah. And, and there was one day where we were messaging each other, and he just seemed like he I – f- I forgot. He was like either uh, down and out for some weird reason. Uh, uh, maybe there was just something in his life that was frustrating him. And I said, here, let me send you – a link to a video that should cheer you up. And it's the episode of my retro life where Tyler's dad surprised him with a turbo graphic 16 oh, and, uh, and it, and it really did the trick. And he, I, I think he started watching that channel afterwards. Uh, so, I mean, if, if you, uh, it, there's a lot of video, a lot of weird eighties, early nineties hairstyles. Oh, and, amazing. uh, uh, and, uh, you know how kid, how hyper kids get when they see a present. Some get kids scream. You know, little Tyler screams out, "There's a Super Nintendo in the living room." There's variations of that kind of enthusiasm, <laughs> uh, but it's it's wonderful if you want to recapture that childlike joy of uh, playing video games. But uh, this kid spent his entire childhood making out like a bandit. It's, it's kind of crazy. (laughs) That is so amazing, man. Yeah. So it's just, it's bringing back so many good memories. It makes me want to dig through, it makes me want to dig through my home movies and there's gotta be something, you know what I mean? You've got home movies too? Oh yeah. I mean like not, not, not quite this extensive. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, there's gotta be, you know, 
Like, there's got to be some footage of it. Right. And I've seen other YouTubers. There's this one YouTuber I really like his name. Well, I used to like him. I used to watch his stuff a lot. His name's Swoozy. And uh, he has footage of him, like, hosting a YouTube channel when he was 10 years old in 1993 or whatever it was. <laughs> but there was obviously no YouTube back then. He's just playing to the camera like he's yes. talking to an audience. And he's, uh, it's, it's, he just like starts playing Super Mario Brothers. It's like, okay, he's a video. He does a let's play of it. Yeah. Exactly. It's amazing. It's like, (laughs) oh my gosh, that's so crazy. But, uh, it's, there's gotta be something like, I remember my dad used to set up his, uh, his camera, uh, to capture, like he hit a Royal flush on this like casino game that he used to play on his PC all the time. Yeah, and I remember there's like video of him like 2 a.m. Like, yeah, I got it. I got a royal flush. He would just sit there and watch Sports Center and, and play that. And uh, it's hilarious. Good times. Good times. But I don't know of any other games. Like sometimes, you know, me, like on my daughter's YouTube channel, we have done Let's Plays of a Super Mario 3D World on the Wii U. And uh, it was, it's really fun, man. It's fun to listen back to. I wish we would have done more, but I have some voice memos of us playing and just we're all just being goofy. And there's okay, a few wait things. wait a minute. <laughs> okay. Your daughter has a YouTube channel? Oh, yeah. Yeah, she does. <laughs> I thought she knew about it for some reason. No, yeah, I knew called... about Lawrence's, but not, yeah. not Charlie's. No. Yeah, it's called Charlie Chat. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's, it's really cute. She's just a little... This when she was a little thing, and she was like uh, doing a makeup thing where she just puts on a bunch of makeup, and April just oh, set the camera no. up and just let her do her thing. Yeah, and then she does one where she just like explains all of the shoes in her shoe collection, and then uh, there's a cute, there's a few ones where she's like, you know, just trying out little crafts and stuff like that. But uh, the, the the let's play is hilarious. It's it's uh, it'll probably make me cry if I listen to it now. It's she was so little and so was Lawrence. But anyways, yeah, you got to check those out. <laughs> yeah, that channel's still available, right? <laughs> yeah, as far as I know, yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, man, I, I, I've i got to do that now. <laughs> but yeah, I'll try to remember to send you the... I think I still have the voice memos I used to record. There's a few things that I said in, during some of the voice memos that have become like goofy little things that are, have become part of our lexicon and our family. You know, we say okay. it to each other all the time. So yeah, it's uh, good stuff. Good okay. stuff. Hey, well, so uh, I really want to, I have some more things I want to talk about, but I don't want right. to jump in front of you, uh, I, but I really want to talk about uh, the MCU, Marvel okay. Cinematic Universe. I've All never right. really been um, the biggest like fan, you know, but I've seen some of the movies. Um, and then um, I recently received access to every one of the movies. And so I'm really? like, hmm, yeah, I'm like, oh, I got to start watching these. So the other night, so what me and Lawrence made a list of all the ones that we had not seen, like a chronological list of all the ones we had not seen. Because I think this was when the third, how many Avengers movies are there now? Three or four? Four. Okay, so like right when the third one hit, he was like, man, I want to see Avengers, but I don't, like I want to catch up on all the other movies first. So he's done a pretty good job of like fleshing that out, and I think he's wa- he's somehow figured out which ones are really critical and which order you should watch them in, and I think he's done that. But uh, not me, and I wanted to do it chronologically. So I watched The Incredible Hulk the other night with uh, Ed Norton, yeah. and um, I just was mainly looking. I I 
never heard great things about it, but I just was like, well, I got to I'm going to do it. I have the access to it. I'm just going to watch them now. You know, so I caught up on that one and then I um, went to like Iron Man 2 and Thor and uh, and then I just watched the post credit scenes because I never watched them back then. I didn't like I forgot about them or I didn't know about it back then. So I recently watched those and it's been really fun. It's been uh, it's been cool. And but today I just finished the Captain America. But Iron Man 2 and Thor, I just watched the post credit scenes. So my next, I, I remember I've seen the Avengers, but I kind of want to watch it again. And I think I've seen Iron Man 3, so Thor The Dark World is like the next one that I would probably watch all the way through. I watched some scenes of the other ones just to kind of like refresh my memory. But um, that's what I've been up to, man. And uh, The Incredible Hulk was not, um, it wasn't that great. You know, there no. was neat, there was neat parts, but it was really... It's kind of weak in a lot of ways. It just wasn't that entertaining. I mean, I'm no genius. I don't. I don't. I'm not saying I could do any better, but I just it wasn't very entertained during it. You know, I don't know if you have any memories of it or. Uh, I you know I I didn't go see it in the theater when it came out. Um, I I can remember that it was definitely a more crowd pleasing hit than the Ang Lee version of Hulk. Yeah, I don't know if you remember that. Yes. I remembered. I remember that. I can remember um, <laughs> how people went in there thinking it was going to be one movie, then it turns out to be a uh, psychodrama about a messed up relationship between a father and a son. And I can remember 20 <laughs> minutes in where nothing Hulk related has happened. Yeah. Uh, this, kid, this kid and his parents were seated three rows uh, ahead of me and I remember that kid at the 20 minute mark says, Dad, I don't want to watch this anymore. <laughs> it's a it's That's a awesome. weird movie. It's it's an interesting movie, but it's it's I, I don't I don't know if it's probably any better. The the Incredible Hulk, the the more widely accepted one, or at least the one that they felt they had to make to con- to continue being part of the MCU. Right. It's it's okay, but it it's but it's not as inspired. I mean, th- this was very early on in the MCU. They would get better uh, with some of way the, better with some of the uh, the side off movies. And you know, Edward Norton. I think he's a good actor, but I just don't. I just don't think he does Bruce Banner all that well. Um, yeah. I, I and. And I really think that Hulk maybe works better as a supporting character, which is why fans are way more receptive of him when he's been in an Avengers movie or when he was in Thor Ragnarok. Uh, I, I think when he has other characters to bounce off with, that he's better utilized. So I, I think maybe that's maybe that's the problem of trying to have him uh, trying to. Uh, to have an entire movie centered on him and maybe that's maybe that's not the thing that works maybe it's just better to have him as part of an ensemble or part of a buddy buddy movie like thor ragnarok well i definitely shared that same sentiment and i thought that and i listened to the fun thing about doing this uh for me is that i thought oh this will every time i watch a movie i i hunt down content podcast wise the next day, you know, uh, to listen to it while I'm at work about what I watched the night before or whatever. Right. And, um, there is a Disney podcast that I listen to is called Disorder. 
and they okay. go back and they go back and review every uh, full length feature animated film, and wow. they uh, talk about it in pretty good detail, pretty lengthy. They share their early memories of it, um, and then it, it's a real good one because they don't just dive into the movie and then they don't get in and get out. They spend a lot of time discussing the films. They talk about the theme park um, like attractions, if there are mm-hmm. any, or or what presence they have in the parks. And they give the film a letter grade, which some people are against. I kind of like it. It's cool, you know. Yeah. Um, but then I thought, oh, I'm going to find a really good one for the Marvel movies because I know there's tons of nerds out there that just want to yeah. talk about these movies. And I found a decent one, but they, they don't dive in. You know, they don't spend a lot of time going over it um, very in, in grave detail. But right. it's still it's kind it's kind of neat. But um, but yeah, I've been I've been doing that, which has been fun. And uh, I just the, the Incredible Hulk, it, it, the one of the podcasts mentioned that same sentiment also is just that it I, I think he does better like you said alongside some other characters i i remember like so i watched this movie and it, i was just like eh, i was just bored i fell asleep in the during the final fight scene hmm. like i was dozing off like that's not a good sign for a big no. huge action movie um but i remember absolutely loving him in the avengers like yeah and i think that uh I, I, that's why i was thinking to myself this time i'm like yeah, maybe he's better as just a supporting uh, character. But then I heard something recently about She-Hulk. There's like they're like threatening to make a She-Hulk movie or something. No, they like that. they they will be. Uh, I they don't are know okay. I, I think it's going to be part of the Disney Plus uh, service whenever it launches. Okay, gotcha. Or it'll be on there uh, at some particular point. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Well, I mean. I guess that was a pretty popular comic, right? I mean, I, re- I remember seeing the comic or like Marvel cards or, you know, the characters familiar to me. So maybe it'll be decent. Who knows? Right. But they'll have to do more with it, you know, but um, I'm not sure how they're going to go about it, but hopefully it'll be good. Speaking of Disney Plus, are you um, are you thinking of getting that? What do you think of the Mandalorian? I really, really want to see that. I haven't yeah. even seen the trailer for it. I just heard good things about it. Well, I mean, I'll either do two things. I mean, because, of course, I want to see some of those, uh, you know, exclusive series like The Mandalorian. Uh, Two things. I'll either subscribe to the service because I think they're only making it like six or seven dollars a month. Uh, They were also talking about bundling it together with Hulu because Disney owns Hulu. uh, And they were going to make that a, you know, a 12 or $13 thing, which would be perfectly fine. I already, I currently subscribe to Hulu, so that would be a no brainer, but yeah, uh, I I will, I would definitely do it for the, the, the star Wars content. Uh, Apparently there's going to be a Obi-Wan Kenobi series or uh, some of the Marvel stuff like uh, the Falcon and the winter soldier one divisions and stuff like that. Uh, But, you know the the opportunity to get some of those uh, all those Disney properties, some of those old films. I I, I seriously doubt they're going to put everything on there, but maybe if they can get in some of those some of those titles or some of those short films that uh, haven't been readily available at least on the home video market, uh, that alone would be great. Uh, it's it's been weird trying to figure out exactly how we're going to solve all this this streaming stuff because you know I, I i'm currently doing netflix and hulu 
and uh, I pay for the premium version of YouTube because I hate ads and I like watching the Cobra Kai series. Okay. Uh, Criterion Collection, because I've, I've got I've got to you know have that. But it's it's going to reach a point where before I know it, I'll be spending anywhere from. 60 to 70 dollars just on the streaming stuff i know and and uh and uh that's that's the thing that kind of scares me i mean we've we've talked in the past about how we should just try to keep uh you know physical meat getting physical media because uh, i mean otherwise you're de- totally dependent upon streaming licensing rights and all that stuff but if i'm spending that much just on all these streaming services oh and by the way there's hbo max coming out i mean that's that's totally something i can ignore i'm kidding i won't <laughs> be able to ignore that uh I won't have any money in my budget to buy Blu-rays, and I'm thinking, well, maybe that's the conspiracy. They want to get a, they want to wean us off of buying discs, so they can, you know, keep us on the streaming tip. So yeah, uh, they want to keep their hooks in you. Makes sense. Yeah, and and hopefully uh, there's enough content to make me, you know, I'm pretty sure they were. I mean, they've got. Like I said, they're uh, they currently have Hulu, and that's the only thing that I've been worried about. Uh, Disney, at least from you know a conglomerate business angle, them buying Fox hasn't yeah. really inspired a whole lot of confidence in me, and uh, I'm hoping that they don't do away with all the that huge library that that studio has you know put out. And but it also makes me wonder what are they going to do with it. I've heard rumors that they're going to. Throw all the Fox-related stuff uh, on Hulu, like uh, anything made by FX. Uh, up until recently, I was subscribing to a service uh, through my cable box called FX Plus, which is all the FX original series, but no commercials. Well, that ended. Uh, that service ended near the end of August. So uh makes me wonder what are they going to do with all that content? They've got to put it somewhere. They probably don't want to send it back to Netflix because they're taking things away from Netflix to put on their streaming service since they own it now. So uh it's just become this weird wild west of where what are we going to watch and where we are we going to be able to see it and uh I I think the possibilities especially for newer stuff is great but I I kind of want them to keep up the promise of what they can be in terms of their archival stuff because I mean they've got crazy uh, uh, they've got a crazy library they need to break into that vault and yeah. I don't care if it comes in on like a rotating schedule or something but they just need to uh, they just need to make that stuff available and uh, if they don't do that I mean well maybe it'll survive on the strength of its new stuff alone but I mean. For anyone really serious about Disney, and you don't own all that, most of that stuff on home video already, you're you you've they have got to kind of deliver on how much of their their vault stuff that they would want to make available. I I I think you know, and I, I'm willing to bet you you think the same way that they should uh-huh. make all that classic animation stuff readily available. Big time, man. I, I thought that's the whole point of this. That's yeah. what I thought the entire point of this was. And at one point in time, according, I, I've never seen the video or heard the audio, um, if it even exists. It may have just been a quote someone took down. But I guess Bob Iger said that they were going to 
to have everything available. And um, it's just a little, it's, I don't like, I don't even think it should be on a rotating schedule. You yeah. know, it's, it should all be available. That was the point right. of this. But at the same time, you know, I'm listening to all of the things that are coming out on it. And I'm like, whoa, they're like, I think this stuff's going to be pretty good. I think they're looking at the Netflix model and they're like, well, we're a studio. Let's do, let's do this. Let's just do yeah. it our, do it ourselves, you know? But right. I mean, think of the, I mean, dude, they could even add, they could do it like, cause I thought it was going to be more than six bucks. All the stuff you're going to get for six bucks is pretty, pretty neat. Actually. Right. I think it's very cool. But um, if, think of the, if they went to like a 12 or $13 a month and had the whole entire archive vault open. That right. would be, you know, everybody would subscribe to that one. You know, why not? Right. I don't know. I don't know, which, man. It's interesting to say yeah, the least. Which, like I said, it makes that Hulu Disney Plus bundle all that more appealing. So that's like yes. one less. I mean, because I, I pay for the ad-free version of Hulu because I hate the ads on that service, too. Oh, uh, it's and so I'm, annoying. I'm, and yeah, and I'm I'm trying to watch like you know old episodes of Cowboy Bebop or something. I don't want to have to sit around and wait for commercials either. <laughs> yeah, and the commercials are they repeat them too often. It's the same. Like, it's I, the same. I want to I want to drive yeah. a pencil through my eyeball. It's like so <laughs> annoying, dude. I can't take it. It's like, geez, Louise, play some more ads. Put like, okay, you know, there's going to be twelve commercials. Can't you just like farm around for at least ten commercials so we only have to see a few repeats? Oh right. my gosh! There was this Dick Sporting Goods commercial. I literally was—it was bad, dude. It was bad. Yeah. I was very frustrated with it. But yeah, um, but um, yeah, I, uh, I I think the the bundle will probably be the way to go for sure. But it would be great if they did put all the classics on it. I mean, I think they should, and I thought they were yeah. going to, but so. Who knows? Uh, to come back to MCU, are, are you basically caught up with it, or are you getting close to the finish line? No. So today, I finished watching the first Captain America movie. Okay. I've, uh, yeah, I've seen that before, uh, or I, I had not seen that before. So I watched that, and then my next one, I think I've like the next one is the Avengers, and I've seen that. So I I've seen some other ones here and there, like I've seen Ant Man, Ant Man the Wasp, mm-hmm. and uh, that might be it. That might be the only other ones I've seen. I haven't. Uh, let's see. Wow. I, I think I think I've seen Spider Man. I think I've seen Spider Man. Okay. Uh, a few others, I'm sure I may have seen, but like I never saw Black Panther. Heard great things about it, but I never yeah. saw it. I I saw Civil War. I watched Civil War with Lawrence. Okay. So uh, that one was interesting. But yeah, it'll be nice to kind of catch up and get in order. But it's so nice having all having access to all of them. You know, it's really right. It's, it's amazing. So I'm very Man, happy you, we came across that. You still have like Avengers: Infinity War and Endgame to get to, and man, that's you're gonna get hit with all the feels. I can't wait. Oh, I've seen Guardians of the Galaxy too, so I've, not, I've seen those. But yeah, I, I, yeah. I hear that they're really neat, and I've just never been that big into them. But I've always enjoyed the movies. Like I've always liked them. They've been fun. Yeah. They made me laugh, and uh, and they're big, great action movies, and I've, I've enjoyed them quite a bit. But I, I, you know, we'll see. I have not been emotionally contacted yet, but we'll, we will see what happens as we keep strolling along here. Right. Well, I mean, I, I think that, you know, Kevin Feige and everyone else involved at Marvel Studio pulled off the impossible with having this many movies, but not, but 
keeping it held all together through the integrity of their storytelling and their character development. I mean, you, this is not the first time we've seen a franchise that was so dependent upon consistency and its storytelling and its casting and stuff like that. Like, you know, we, we endured the Harry Potter series. We endured the Lord of the Rings films, but no one's done anything quite as crazy as this, where in like 10 or 11 years, they've got like what, 19, 20 films. And for the most part, they're really good. Even the ones that I don't really care for, which I think is, Thor, the Dark World, and maybe Iron Man 2, even those are perfectly watchable. Right. But when they hit their highs, they hit them extremely high, which is, I I really can't wait to see what you think about, like, uh, Black Panther. I know, Uh, I hear so many good things, so many. It's, uh, yeah, I don't, I probably shouldn't say anything else, but it's, it's (laughs) really, really wonderful, and when you get the Thor Ragnarok, it's that's just you're just going to wish he's that's what the first two thor movies should have been right there but it's great things about that as well yeah you're you're basically watching the studio kind of find their footing those those early films prove a solid foundation if nothing else and then they get more confident with the stories that they want to tell and they've got their long-term plan coming in and it's crazy that they were they were able to see it all the way through at least for these for this first decade so uh, yeah i've never we've never seen anything like it and um yeah to uh to a lesser extent, I, I've been doing some binging on a franchise myself, but it's a franchise that I've seen, but I've been watching it for a different reason entirely. I've been watching uh, certain uh, titles of the James Bond franchise. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, there is a podcast, speaking of podcasts, uh, <laughs> available through either Earwolf or Stitcher Premium. I that that's that's the that's a podcast service where I think they they have a contract with the Earwolf stuff. So nice. that's 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 podcast like Comedy Bang Bang. Oh uh, yeah. WTF Mark Marin. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, two, uh, I think it's like uh, uh, Matt Myra from the Nerdist and Matt Gorley, who has been on a whole bunch of podcasts or stuff. They're both James Fond fanatics and they have this uh podcast called james bonding nice and uh it's been going on for four or five years and they've changed up their format uh initially they just did these uh roughly hour hour and a half discussions of each film but they would bring on like a guest and uh then for like second or third years, they would revisit those films, but sometimes with a different guest. So you could kind of get like different perspectives. And on this past year, they started doing commentaries for this movie. Now, oh, as cool. big of a fan as they are, they're not blind to the weak spots. <laughs> sure. In yeah. these films, you cannot ignore them. And that's not just, not just like, you know, uh, uh, blind spots in terms of filmmaking, blind spots in terms of just culturally insensitive 
stuff or right. the misogynistic <laughs> behavior or the sexist behavior. They they take all of that into account. Sure. But, That's cool. But uh but then here comes the problem of how am I gonna see this and I apparently had uh let time pass to the point where you could have you could have gone on Amazon Prime or Hulu. It just seems like in the past year they were readily available to watch on either of those platforms. But all of a sudden, like last month, they st- they stopped oh. being on all these platforms. Like, well, what's the big deal? Well, the streaming service Pluto TV. Oh boy, has got the uh, I guess the streaming rights to it. And Pluto what? Why? They've got the streaming uh, <laughs> rights to everything from Dr. No to uh, License to Kill. So basically everything from Sean Connery to uh, Timothy Dalton. Wow, that's a lot and of movies. they've made them – you can go on their, their the streaming app and either watch them by themselves or they've got a 24-7 Bond channel. Oh, my gosh. Which is crazy. It now, is crazy. Here's the problem with Pluto, Pluto TV. They have ads that you cannot get rid of. Ugh. Much like Hulu, with the ads that repeat themselves, you've got you know ads that repeat themselves. Stuff like bank, uh, like a weird uh, like AT and T wireless of the two guys going to a baseball baseball game, and they happen to have seats right behind a steel beam. Yeah, that's that's that was terrible. Uh. Hundred times, uh, stuff like that. But since I can't readily watch all of them uh, through with no ads, I I just been doing this thing where I would line up the recording with the with the uh, with the with the playback on the movie, and j- j- then just pause the commentary during the commercial breaks. And it's sure. it, it's a little effort. Yeah, it does it because the commentary. Is is a is hysterical. Now these guys, they they're both roughly comedians, and they do make fun of the movies. But they're also they also throw in a whole lot of trivia. Like they've done their research on this stuff. They nice. They're 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 fanatics to the point where it's almost embarrassing, but it's still very charming. <laughs> so that's kind of what I've been doing. I've been watching, uh, which means I've revisited some of the more crazier Roger Moore. Uh, entry into the series like Octopussy, A View to a Kill, and uh, I think I was trying to watch Live and Let Die uh, earlier this past week. Okay. So that's that's also a uh, that's also been uh, I mean you're you talking about binge watching the MCU has kind of uh, maybe realized that I've been doing the same thing for the Bond franchise and. And also recalling, uh, I mean, some of those movies like Octopussy and A View to a Kill, I haven't watched since I was a kid. There was so much that I had forgotten about it. Some of it good, some of it bad. And uh, But, I mean, watching them with those commentaries are like some of the best viewing experiences that I've had recently. That's great. So, uh, so anyway, if you want to watch the Bond movies for free, you can do so uh, on the Pluto TV app. Uh, just be warned, you will have to deal with uh, you know commercials. But still, who allowed uh, this to happen? 
who allowed Pluto to get the rights? Like, what? <laughs> what did? Like, what kind of dirt did the guy that owns Pluto have on the guy that had the license to the James Bond movies? Like, I don't, I don't know because I'm trying to figure out. I haven't had Pluto for very long. Jason, uh, Jason Wallstrom has talked about it uh, sometimes in the past. So maybe they've got some original content, or maybe they've got like some other old vintage programming that you can you can't get anywhere else they must have struck a really good deal because the streaming rights to those can't be they can't be cheap and you're putting on a service that is basically free right so uh maybe just the having the ads on there is what made it i don't don't know I, i don't know how these deals get made but um yeah but anyway not not Watching them when they were on Amazon Prime earlier—I mean, that's that's all my fault. That but, hurts, I mean, man. Yeah, but still, still, if you want to watch them for free, you can do so on Pluto TV. Just you know, <laughs> keep in mind, you know, stupid ads that you'll probably have to mute. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, trying to figure out where. <laughs> What what was this? In, can, okay, so um, I guess maybe we can momentarily step away from the gaming talk as we've we've done that quite a bit and kind of talk about some other things that we have watched. Um, and uh, and I'll just mention a couple of o- older things. I haven't really seen anything new recently. Technically, the only thing that I've seen that could be classified as new because it did come out this year both in theaters and on recently on home video was uh apocalypse now the final cut interesting are are you familiar with this movie at all i've seen the movie i don't even remember which version it was i don't remember Mm -hmm. you know i i can't remember but i know i've seen it before but i didn't even know i didn't even know there was a final cut i didn't know they yeah uh the the movie had i think it's like turned it's turned it has its 40th year anniversary okay. uh, and apparently there was I, I think they've 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 made a new 4k restoration of the original master they they uh found some ways to really clean it up very well i think i think the big news was that the original sound print or whatever you want to call it uh they had gotten a hold of that uh because for the previous long version of Apocalypse Now, they had to deal with uh, this lesser-known quality of the audio track, but they got a they got a really pristine version of the original audio track for the movie, and it played in IMAX theaters uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it was in one of the theaters where I live, and I was not able to go see it, but uh, and and I kind of regret that but in a way i don't because it came out on blu-ray this past week Uh, they put it on this six disc set that has two 4k blu-rays that has all three versions of there's three versions the theatrical version that came out in like 1979 there's the redo version that came out in like the early aughts yeah 2001 i remember seeing that trailer yeah and then there's the final cut uh, I don't have a 4K Blu-ray player. I don't have a 4K TV, so those first two discs will be meaningless until I upgrade. But the other four Blu-rays have everything that I wanted. 
And uh, so I was able to watch that. I still prefer the theatrical cut. I think the stuff mm. that he's added, it, it's interesting, but it's not vital to getting to what the movie's trying to say. I, someone should just tell Francis Ford Coppola, look, you cut it from the movie for a reason. It just doesn't belong there. But, I mean, at least he made he's made all previous versions available which is all that i really care about but uh i mean it remains you know just one of the great great movies ever made especially you know from not only just a war movie but also a movie about uh basically about going insane i guess in the way that the war uh being in a war especially the vietnam war can uh, enable, if not accelerate, that process, and it's just so beautifully shot, and the, the sound design is amazing, and all the performances are great, and uh, just it, it also keeps all that supplementary supplementary uh, materials, including the Hearts of Darkness documentary, which was shot by Francis Ford Coppola's wife, and you, I mean, it's one of the great production uh doom laden productions you ever you ever heard or read about where you just watch the footage and you wonder how did they make a movie out of this regard let alone a good movie and it's interesting for that aspect as well but um that's the newest thing that i've that i've watched uh i've been kind of rather far behind on anything new so uh I have only myself to blame for that. <laughs> what about you? Is there, I mean, aside from the MCU, has there been anything that you've you've tried to make appointment viewing or or anything new or recent for you? No, um, no appointment viewing. But lately, like a few, I think like a year ago or so, maybe two years ago, April watched uh, Kim's Convenience. It's on Netflix. It's a uh, it's a it's shot in Canada somewhere. Uh, it's like a Canada production, a Canadian production, and okay. uh, it's it's about a Korean family who owns a convenience store, and uh, it's just the uh, you know the the father and the son are estranged due to some things that happened in in the uh, son's teenage years, and then there's a daughter who still works there, and is you know. Uh, putting up with her dad and the dad is kind of this like goofy character. It's he's interesting. He's funny. He's very blunt in some ways. He's mm-hmm. very hard headed in some other ways. And it's just, uh, it's, it's funny. It's good. I, I remember watching bits and pieces of it. Um, when April was watching it and thinking that, okay, it's pretty funny. It's the way it's, um, I don't know, like the way it's shot is kind of weird or I don't know. It's just, it's for some reason it just feels Canadian. Does that make sense? Like, have you ever noticed the Canadian like television shows kind of like look a little different? I don't, I can't, I don't know how to describe it, but it just when I found out it was made in Canada, I was like, oh, okay, it makes sense now. But well, maybe for what it's worth, I can remember watching old episodes of SCTV on Comedy Central. So, right. if it, 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 are you saying like Canadian productions tend to have like kind of a lower yeah, I guess quality to them. Yeah, I mean, I can't put my finger on exactly what it is, but it feels a little different, and maybe that's what it is, and okay. I just don't know or recognize it. But wow. um, it's got uh, you know a lot of shows that I watch. I like them 
to come with a lot of goofiness, but a, but like a fair amount of like charm to them. And it, it okay. does pretty good in this department. You know, it's uh, it's got your classic stuff like will they or won't they get together mm-hmm. type things, and uh, like the estranged parent with the son. You're hoping that'll, you know, you'll hope hoping you'll see that come back together but uh it's april's enjoying i think this is her third time watching through it and i'm enjoying <laughs> my first time through it and i would recommend it it's what it's what's the name again it's called kim's convenience kim's convenience okay yes and uh it's i like it a lot i think it's really funny ah. enjoying it i would recommend it for sure i mean you know it's it's not like without without its flaws, you know what I mean. Right. It's, it's not it's not by no means perfect, and I know that's a terrible way to categorize a, a piece of created content. But um, it's it's fun though. It's good. I like it. It sounds a lot more appealing than some of the stuff that Jason's been watching for uh, ETL. <laughs> I, I I I sent him in my voicemail for the most recent episode. I uh, I told I, I sent into it. Look, I know you said this. Jason, but it's uh, I am not going to watch below deck Mediterranean. Uh, it's just not going to happen. I can't bring myself to do it. I can't. Yeah, I, uh, I've thought about it a few times. And I'm just like, nah. No, <laughs> I don't have to watch it. That's that's why Jason's there, so he can yeah. do the grunt work and put together the clips. I don't need to suffer. You and many other people have said that before. <laughs> that, you know, like thank you for watching the terrible TV and recapping it for us. Because he's pulling the best moments out of it usually, so it's yeah. people are very happy that he does that. But uh, some of that stuff sounds hilarious, though. You know, I mean, yeah. it's, it's 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 really funny. Ross really likes it too, but I think Ross only likes Mediterranean. I was like, oh wait, there's two different versions. He's like, yeah, there's the normal one and then there's the Mediterranean. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. Um, but I want him like I I think it'd be cool if he went over show like the Mandalorian when that comes out, he should totally do. Yeah. I mean, I think he will. Yeah. That, that would be awesome, you know, but it's, it's not the week to week thing. So when it's week to week, there tends to be more, uh, there's a tendency to really pour over the details because it's all you got. Mm -hmm. But when you, when you binge watch and you watch something all at once, it gets a little bit harder to like dive in. So I think it'd be cool if he did an episode by episode, um, coverage of it because then you will force you to go like oh we're only talking about the first one okay because like yeah. if i was if i were to try to sit down and discuss stranger things right now because that was one of the things i was going to talk to you about um mm-hmm. last time but it's i can't even remember it i'd have to rewatch it yeah i've yeah. seen you know my, my memory is not the best these days and uh you know i, I would just i would want to freshen up on each episode and even even if i binge watched it again the conversation just would not be what it would be if we were going over it one at a time. So I think right. I'm hoping for some of that, like, cause back in the lost days when they used to talk about lost, it yeah. was awesome because you were getting, I mean, they're just dissecting every episode and just talking about all their favorite parts and with clips alongside of it. Oh, it's just genius. It's just it's yeah. so much fun to listen to. And that's why they've made those specials where they like paste them all together, montage them all together, you know? Yeah. Um, that's that's the way to go. So I'm gonna try to. We should put it. We should put it in his ear for sure to tell him to do it. Yeah, that, do that way. That'd be cool. I, we need to like go back through the archive and find all those uh, compilations for like Spartacus. Oh, or yeah. uh, didn't he? I think they did the Sopranos at one point. I I can remember 
listening and he would do recaps on i think some of the i, th- I think uh, it was when they were covering the last season of fringe oh I was just, yes i was just thinking about that today great yeah and i can i mean it, it's weird i was hearing details about the final episode but uh for some reason i don't feel like i got spoiled i haven't finished that show yet but i still don't know how it ends even though i heard i i, I don't I don't think it's like Twin Peaks in which it's not—it's uh, not spoiler proof, mm. but you get the feeling from watching it that was okay. Well, there's this show that they're clearly passionate about, and I've overlooked it, and uh, that's not going to be the first time that's happened when you're listening to Nora and Mulberry or Entertainment Landfill. So yeah, so yeah, sure. they should definitely get back to the whole. Let's uh, let's release things. Let's release episodes one at a time so we can give people things to chew on yeah. and not just try to eat everything fast like it's a buffet. Right. Yeah. I mean, it takes an incredible amount of discipline to not pour through them all at once, yeah. you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's like that's like a gift and a curse. It's like I want I, – I, I think I could be happy with the binge watch as long as podcasts that I listen to – would discuss them one at a time. You know what right. I mean? Like do a special little episode, but, uh, cause that way you're really kind of chewing on it and getting to know it a little bit more. But yeah, yeah. it would be painful if they, if they took it all away and only did one at a time, but at the same time it's, it's got, it's, it's good, good reasons to do it too. For sure. Oh yeah. Yep. But other than that, like I think, um, in terms of what I've been watching recently, I've watched, uh, you know what? I, um, on that disorder podcast that I was talking about, they're really big fans of the hunchback of Notre Dame, uh, okay. the Disney movie. Yeah. And, um, I'm just like, what, how, how could I, I've just never seen it. I've never heard anything good about it. Hmm. And so I decided to rent it and, um, watch it. Um, I think I rented it on uh, voodoo and I put it on and overall the movie was, like nearly unwatchable was not very much oh, fun. Wow. Yeah, I did did not did not enjoy it. But one thing that came to mind that I would like to share because I found okay. it very interesting was it was it was neat to be able to take a step back into time in a way because you've seen Disney classics for me anyways a lot of times grew up with them watched them over and over again they're classics. Um. And I know them. And so I can watch them and it brings back a certain amount of nostalgia. But what was interesting and kind of fascinating about watching The Hunchback of Notre Dame is it was made in that same era. You know, it was made shortly thereafter. Movies like Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin um, yeah. and The Little Mermaid. It was made, you know, right a few years after that. And uh, so to watch the opening scene in the, in the musical and it's like this cool, cool little village and the camera's like starting you know like a helicopter drone very very far out wide shot and it kind of zooms in on the town as the town is kind of waking up and it seems like it's almost a ripoff of beauty and the beast which it kind of is it's very very similar to that but what's neat is it's like oh my gosh this is this is disney at one of their finest times and even though the movie didn't pan out the animation was still there the music was still there the feel was still there yeah. And it was uh, getting to experience it, something from that decade for the first time that I'm so close to and such a big fan of 
was really cool, you know, because you could watch parodies of it or we could remake it and we could have it be stylized just like that to try to capture that feel. But to be able to actually step back into time into like 94 or whenever it was that it came out was really just like had me kind of tripping out. It was neat. It was a cool experience. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, I mean, you say you're, you know, you're a Disney fan and that's clearly, that that's clearly the case. Uh, have you been keeping up with the quote unquote live action remakes and what is your, what is your feelings toward them? I, um, <clears throat> I thought it was a really interesting idea at first and now it's getting very tired. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, en- I really enjoyed, um, the jungle book. Cause I, yeah. cause I watched that a lot as a kid, but I was never the biggest fan of it. I just yeah. never really like, I don't even want to watch it now. I like, oh. I just, I, you know, it's cool, but it's like, I love it for what it was. And it's a great movie. I love the characters and stuff, but I'm never really like, Oh, let's put on the jungle book. You know, I'm never, never really like that. So yeah. I really did kind of enjoy the new take on the live action remake. I thought it was really cool. Um, but, and, and it didn't bug me so much that it was a live action remake, but most of it was animated. Yeah. And for some reason, Adam, the Lion King just drives me bonkers. It's just, it's really drives me nuts that they're doing it and that, they, that they've done it. And, yeah. um, it's probably a great movie, you know, it's probably fantastic, but it's just what I, I probably said this on the last podcast. It's just a studio like Disney. I want them to make originals. I want them yeah. to keep doing what they've always done so well and to just mine it. I mean, I get it. There's big money there. It's like you're printing money, but it's, I don't want them to lose that edge that they've always had, you know? Right. And I was really pleased with movies like Tangled and Frozen. I was very surprised by those. I thought they were going to be awful. They ended up being really neat. I could watch both of those and still enjoy myself watching them, you know, even though I've seen them, a lot frozen way more than tingled but um so that's that's kind of the only my only real bummer with it um i saw aladdin the other day and uh i'm just i'm amazed that people were into it i'm amazed it did well i did did not enjoy myself the opening scenes with just I, i feel like the dialogue and the acting was super wooden super like just didn't feel good to me at all um and again man like what do i know i didn't go to school i don't know anything i just know what i like (laughs) i know what i like and i love and and maybe it's just the um nostalgia factor that that is the reason why i'm like oh no no now i got the good feels when i watched the animated version of aladdin when i was in fifth grade right i can still watch that and get great feelings from it but this one man charlie loves it she loves the live action remake she really does me i just was like there were some good parts there were some interesting parts but for the most part it seemed kind of like a soap opera the way it was shot it just like didn't feel big and epic it felt weird and i don't know how some movies can pull that off and i don't think that maybe because i'm more engrossed in it i tried to give because i know i know i come i'm coming to this with the negative attitude of stop remaking classics just make classics and um like, why, why would you do this particular movie? Like, it's, yeah. what are you doing? But um, other than that, I try to go like, okay, but let's just, maybe it's good. Let's just try it out. And I just tried it out. And I was like, oh, I couldn't take it. Didn't enjoy it. I don't know. Have you seen that one? Have you seen Aladdin? 
Uh, I have not because okay. Aladdin without Robin Williams to me is just kind of missing the point. Sure, but uh, but I, I think there's a bigger problem, and this came up uh, as soon as Aladdin, and then it was referenced again when Dumbo came out, and then it came out with The Lion King, where I think these characters and these situations in these movies play out when the animations are not realistic, when, and when instead they are exaggerated, that's, mm. that's where, that's where some of the character comes from. That's, I mean, j- just the way that these, these characters move, uh, how they react, the way that they are animated when they were cell drawn mm. just gives you something that CGI just can't do. And, yeah. uh, not having Robin Williams in Aladdin made I don't know if that's the least or the least of its problems, or maybe you just got a thin story or there and the the original just got by with a little bit or, or I don't know, I haven't even, I haven't even seen the original Aladdin in so long. Oh. I, who knows how I think about it, but I do remember watching it a lot of times when I was a kid and Robin Williams as the genie was a huge part of it. Even when I didn't get all the, the uh, references <laughs> that he was yeah. putting forward. Like, exactly. I didn't, like, why would it, why would a kid from 1992 or 93 know who William Buckley jr. Is, I mean, <laughs> there's no expectation for that. But, I don't even know who that is. Like when you say it, I have no idea. Who that yeah. Is. Like, he, he's, he's a, he, he was a political commentator or a pundit during the late sixties uh, or during the mid of late sixties. So, uh, but yeah, uh, some, I mean, something like a lot, I, I just love the way that it was drawn. I love the way that it was animated. And I, I, I just think you can, you cannot improve on something that's broke uh, on something that isn't really broken. Um, yeah. I, there's been a, a few, uh, exceptions in these remakes where I think the biggest improvement uh, for a remake that can be made is Pete's Dragon. I think the mm. live action version of that is way better than the original. Oh yeah, I agree. Especially because it tries to do something different with with its story. The, the thing with Jungle Book is only that they change something about the ending, but more or less it's the same kind of thing. You don't mm-hmm. have the three hippie vultures in it for some reason. Bomber. I like yeah. I like them. Favorite part of the original. Yeah. Favorite yeah. part. <laughs> don't start that again. I would try the accent, but it'd be yeah. terrible. But um yeah, that was they were great. <laughs> I don't know, man. What do you want to do? <laughs> Me and my friends used to say that to each other all the time. We would impersonate it. It's good times. Yeah. Yeah. That they they shouldn't have left that out, but yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why I got down. I, I probably got down with that one more and accepted it more because I would just I didn't like the Jungle Book all that much. I mean, again, love it for what it is. Like, I I told I'm totally into it. It brings back some good memories, but it wasn't one of my favorites. And Aladdin was definitely my favorite for years, for years, man, for years. So, yeah, it's it's a bummer. You know, I don't know, but I still even the Lion King. I'm there's no way I'm going to the. I just I'm not that interested in seeing it, but I'm I'm sure I'll probably watch it. But right. I think I I didn't think about it in terms of what you said, the movement of the like those animators, like that's what just brings it to one more level of appreciation for what it was. Yeah. Not only are you pulling this off, it's kind of like 
similar to what we talked about with Mario. It's like, not only are you pulling off this animation and this technology for the time, um, and you're doing these big stories and stuff, uh, especially in the early days of Disney, but they, they're just making these characters come to life. And the, the way they did it was so convincing. You just believed it. It's just believe that's a character. It's just that that's wow. a thing. And that's, you know, really, really interesting. And when you shoot that with real people, you're, you're missing out on that, you know, and even though you can dress it very similarly, uh, similarly, it's just, it's just, it seems off. That's it seems thing. weird. Yeah, it is. It, it's, but again, some movies, sometimes it's okay, I guess. Sometimes it's not. And I'm just not that into the Lion King, probably cause I'm an old man now. And I'm like, yeah, geez, more remakes, you know, but yeah. I get it from a business standpoint. I mean, like, right. if, it, if it was my call, I'm pretty sure I'd do the same thing. After these messages, we'll be right back. The Mulberry Boys, every Friday night. On the show, you better know they keep it tight. ETL is back and the J-Strom's in the zone. Introduce the co-host, he doesn't do it alone. PCZ is about to hold court you know he's on the headset you can hear him snort pop culture movies tv shows and games rotten tomatoes reviews news and blu-rays foggy don't play around he will bust a drop fast welcome to the entertainment landfill podcast the jason and steven show it's the jason and steven show what the jason and steven show it's the jason and steven show CSVP Combat Player One, choose your character Tired of film and television podcasts where the hosts exist in a blissful state of agreement? Player Two, choose your character While you're in luck Punter Round One, fight Allow me to introduce you to the Chinstroker vs. Punter podcast Featuring two film and television fans from Birmingham, England who enjoy their media in very different ways. <laughs> but anyway, that brings us to the end of the plot of Blue Velvet. The plot. I mean, the is... main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. <laughs> so join us as we catch up on what we've been watching from our own very different perspectives. Double KO. Round two. Fight. You can find us at csvsp.libson.com. Also on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, all the places that podcasts can be found. Just really, it's isn't. not visually striking. No, I just just getting confirmation. It's just in English. That's the third time, though. I mean, am I, is this on? Well, um, let me ask you this, uh, because I mean, we've been talking about uh, Nintendo games and Nintendo systems. Do uh, you or one of your kids or uh, owns a Switch? No, but I really want to get one. Man, we, we, ain't I that know. the truth? I know. We've we've been Nintendo nerds since way back. We're, we always stay current, and this is the one that we have not stayed current with, and it sucks. Yeah, I'm waiting for the, the Switch Lite to drop because uh, I think justifying $200 versus $300 would, be, would make more sense, at least on my budget. Right, right. But, yeah. Uh, 
budget wise, it makes sense. I get it, but I would just, yeah, we have not had the stones to throw down 300 <laughs> bucks yet, you know, it's, and all the extra controllers and everything that you would right. want to get, you know, we just don't, we're not up to it yet. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I've noticed, uh, and I think we talked about this the last time you were on that Lawrence's, uh, uh, status as a streamer eventually involved him getting a gaming PC or, or something close to that. Well, he wants to get one. He's been looking at them, but uh, oh, okay. It's, you know, <clears throat> it's it has not happened yet. It's going to okay, take some time. Okay, so what time. what is even what is even planted on then? Uh, PS4. Okay. Yeah, which is so nice because these consoles you can stream everything right from it. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I've tried. Uh, I think I uh, I think I tried <laughs> streaming uh, Alien Isolation. Through nice. the Xbox, and I I forgot I was streaming it to Mixer, and I forgot. I mean, if I wanted to port it over to Twitch or YouTube, I should probably use Twitch instead. I, I I'm not particularly proud of that first segment. Basically, that the first two hours <laughs> of the game are you wandering around the the station. <laughs> I think, and then near the end of that is when you finally come into contact with the alien. That's when the game really opens up and becomes something that's really uh, tension-filled and unbearable. So I think the next time I start streaming, and I'll try to use the Twitch app this time, you'll catch me playing through the games that really, the section of the game that really makes it... uh, Makes it a really stressful and hopefully entertaining experience, but but other than that, um, yeah, mostly it's been Xbox One for me right now. I'm trying to uh, reacquire a PS4, and uh, what that what that means, however, is that I've had the opportunity to catch up on all the stuff that has been made available through Xbox and. Nice. Get- catch up on all these uh uh exclusive games but even even some titles that i've bought for the ps4 um i've been playing a lot of red dead redemption too nice man i that i hear that game is fantastic i've watched it is youtube videos my friend plays it he tells me all sorts of cool stories i i'm i loved the first one so i'm sure it's a beautiful game so much to do just with that game you know yeah, it's it, it's an extremely gorgeous game, and I had this huge nostalgia pang, or or if you can call it that, when I went on the online mode, uh, and I nice. and you can, and I've got a few friends that I can posse up with, so that I'm not at the mercy of the any grievers in the game, and they are there, but mm-hmm. uh, you get to travel through current generation versions of the old map from the first game. Oh, no so way. I That's was cool. Going through, I was passing <clears throat> through Armadillo and Bonnie McFarlane's ranch and wow, I was that's cool. looking around and like thinking, oh wow, they really did a good job that's making awesome. this look even more lifelike than it was before. Wow. Can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait to see that. Yeah. Um, and and uh, I, I'm join in with the club uh, on Xbox and we usually upload clips to it 
and it's usually just of uh, goofy things. I, I've got a member. I've got a member of my club who likes to sometimes grief on uh, other members of the posse, like do dumb things, like knock them off a cliff, or uh, <laughs> at, or at one point lasso someone, get on a horse, and drag them for a little ways. <laughs> nothing, awesome. nothing done. Nothing done in bad spirits or bad. Sure, spirits. all good. It's still funny. And, uh, I, I love, it's, it's been a great experience so far. I haven't completed the story campaign like, uh, Jason has, but, uh, the online mode is just, you know, just too much, too much of a distraction, I suppose. That's but, fun, uh, man. That sounds like a lot of fun, actually. It, it is. And recently... I'm hoping uh, because the backlog just tends to get bigger and bigger with that system. <laughs> True. Uh, Gears Five came out this weekend. Oh well, yeah, I nice. Mean, well, technically, the official release date is the tenth, which is next week. But if you pre-order the Ultimate Edition or you are a subscriber to the uh, Game Pass Ultimate service, that xbox provides which is what i did you get to play the game like four or five days early that's cool and uh yeah and it plays really well so far the only thing that i've ever been interested in is just the campaign and the horde mode which is you and four other people go at a map and just uh fight your way through oncoming uh oncoming uh, waves of enemies and uh <laughs> that was one of the best parts of uh gears three and four and uh i think the game even this early on is still a little uh unpolished it plays mm-hmm. very well the frame rate's good but i think some of the balancing there's some balancing issues that needs to happen mm-hmm. uh but other than that i think i think it's a it's an interesting uh update to the uh, to the game series, so there's been that. That's fun. I've never played any of those games. I remember my dad and my friend playing uh, playing a lot of the first and second one. I think, yeah. but I've never, yeah, I've never never played. Right. But I know it's awesome. It was a game changer. You know, when it first I mean, came well, out, it's like whoa. What? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, what have you been? Uh, what do you play these days? If you're, if you ever have the time to play anything, you know, not a lot. I mean, I, I don't really jump in and do much of anything. I like, I've been in the mood to play something, but I just really haven't made the time to do so. You know, the other day I, uh, I popped in um, Banjo Kazooie because I have it on uh, the rare replay on the yeah. Xbox One. Yeah. And so I, I, there was a level that I had left unfinished, and so I went in and finished it off. And that was fun, because it was just easy in, easy out type of situation, and I just was right. kind of feeling nostalgic, and so I popped it in and played it. But I, I really, uh, not too long ago, I was playing, was it uh, Super Mario, I forget which one, but I was playing, well, I was playing Aladdin, actually, back to that, on uh, the Super Nintendo. And oh, then, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then I think we were messing around with Mario All-Stars, and we were trying to do... I was playing a lot of uh, Super Mario 3, which I've actually never really played that much of. I was more of... Like, I played Mario 1, and then I barely played Mario 2, barely mm-hmm. played 3. But that's just... I have, I've been wanting to get into something, but I know a game... 
like Red Dead Redemption would just or two would just eat so much of my time, and yeah, I feel like I would. barely have enough of it, you know. And right, it's a bummer because I want to play it super bad. And like my, my buddy that plays it, he's got four kids, you know, two of them are graduated now, but he's still like every now and then he just tries to make time to just sit and play it, you know, because it's so relaxing and he just enjoys it so much. But uh, I just want to go over to his house and watch him play it quite honestly, you know, cause yeah. I really, I really like it. But I was dude the other day. Um, my daughter downloaded some gardening type game where you got to like play these mini games and save up points so that you can like keep fixing up your garden. Right. And, uh, Man, I, I started looking up uh, tr- what, uh, Stardew Valley. I looked up Stardew Valley. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, I, I know, I know. <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, but Adam said that it's such a, I mean, it's a time suck. And I'm like, I really wanted to download it. Because I, I wondered if my daughter might get into it, you know? I um, think she would, yeah. Yeah, and I, I thought maybe this would be a fun thing for us to sit and do. But I don't know. I, I just, I didn't pull the trigger, but I was ready to. I really wanted to just like hop in and enjoy it, you know, but I, I didn't. Never, <laughs> yeah, I never thought I would like a game like that because I didn't play Harvest Moon or any kind of farming simulator like, uh, what was it, Farmville on Facebook or something like yeah, that. Yeah, neither have I. Never. It was just after <laughs> the PC version came out and got rave reviews. I I go to Giant Bomb a lot for yeah. you know video game coverage or video game discussion, and that was between Giant Bomb and Gamespot. That was a very highly regarded title. So when it came to PS4 and Xbox One. I just jumped at it, and it is a time suck, but it's also one of the most relaxing games you'll games that I've ever played. Where I just play it now just to feel good. That's and great. you're, I mean, you're you're building up your farm, you're building up crops, you're managing, uh, you know, chickens and cows and sheep, and you're mining for stuff. You're doing a lot of resource gathering. But you're also trying to make money so you can expand your farm and your house. Oh, and eventually uh, you you do fishing, and then you get married and all this stuff. There's <laughs> and, and the music is so good, and the it it really looks like a game that could could have come out on the Super Nintendo, and it yeah. just has that retro appeal to it, uh, especially from the look of it. And it's just I haven't played it for like a month or two, but it's something that I just I just went in just to feel good, and uh, I'll come back to it because I mean I, that farm isn't going to you know uh, live on by itself, but uh, but yeah, it, if it ever if you like get the fifteen or twenty bucks it takes to get it, or if it goes on sale one day. Uh, I, I mean, I'd recommend it. Uh, I, I don't know how often you get to buy games or something, but that's that's something I could see myself playing and replaying, uh, you know, for years to come. I, I I love that game. That's awesome, man. Yeah, it, uh, it it's I've, I've heard. Uh, have you ever? Do you know the comedian Bobby Lee? Uh, he's got a podcast called Tiger Belly. Not sure. I have not. No. He uh, he l- plays video games all the time, and he talks about them from time to time on the podcast. And mm-hmm. he was he was talking about about it, and it's just 
it seems amazing, you know, I mean, just, and, and I guess one guy just like made it because there's only yeah. one dude. It's like, what? That's crazy. One, one guy basically made the most, the best, the most refined version of Harvest Moon, uh, and did it for years. And it was, it's just crazy. But I mean, he, he nailed it. Uh, That's I, crazy. And, and I went and played one of the Harvest Moon games, uh, from the, Original, the first PlayStation uh, console through the PS3, yeah. and the controls are so archaic, mm-hmm. and you don't get to do all the stuff you get to do in Stardew Valley. I'm just sitting there going, "Man, this this isn't the same. I need, I need, uh, I need Stardew Valley to to uh, get my uh, to get my kicks in for a game like this." And uh, I'm glad that it's basically available for almost anything, for pretty much everything out there. The Switch has it. Of course, PC has it. They even put it on the PS Vita. Uh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, so, great uh, for those Great for those types of It's great for travel handle. play. You could get it for your tablet. Uh, I, cool. bought it, I bought it for my tablet. I haven't played it as much, but it uses touchscreen controls in a really interesting way it doesn't it doesn't give you like a like those stupid digital buttons you'll sometimes see uh not a fan games you just press somewhere and the, your character will walk in that direction or you can uh, i mean it really works better than you think wow. but um but yeah i uh that that's i never thought i would love that game as much as i do but i do and uh that's so cool yeah. So, um, so you don't get to play as much. I mean, is it pretty much just uh, you know tied in with like real life responsibilities or? Yeah, just you know running my own business is just it ties me up pretty well, you know. Right. And then any other free time, I really want to hang out with my wife if I can, you know, yeah. spend some time with the kids. <laughs> so yeah. When we're not doing all of the like forced to got to do stuff. But, right. uh, you know, every, these types of things, I'm, as we're sitting talking about it, I'm like, man, I'm like when me and Charlie like, used to. Play, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not trying to make you feel bad that you just realized <laughs> you don't get the game as much as you do. Oh, no, that's OK. That's OK. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good, man. No, no. It's just. But as we were talking about the switch and stuff, just thinking to myself, man, me and Charlie had so much fun playing uh, 3D World together that it makes yeah. me want to get the switch real bad so we can have some some more game time together you know and try to pull everybody in from the family and have some sit around and hang out times you know um that that would be fun so it makes me want to get some of the newer stuff and play together you know yeah but yeah but stardew valley also seems like that could be fun because i think it's i know it's, it sounds like something that you could you grind on but it also seems like something you could like hop in and spend an hour with and then come back to later you know really you really could you really could just go in i think like the average because it runs on a day cycle but it just seems like uh you know the hours don't it's not real time like it's it's kind of sped up so you could probably make i think like maybe like through one day maybe only last you like uh, anywhere from 10 or 15 or 20 minutes uh, you you can pass through uh a whole lot of time it's just that the way that i played it 
I would play for like hours on end. I famously sent in the <laughs> voicemail to ETL where I said, yeah, uh, I spent eight hours a night on this thing. That's crazy. That's, that's awesome. I love it. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's also one of those games where I can listen to podcasts too. Sure. Uh, like that, that or another time suck game I've mentioned on ETL is Diablo three, which I also still play to this day. Nice. Yeah. Uh, that that's those, those kind of time suck things where you can kind of multitask and listen to something that you, that, uh, you won't have time for anywhere else. I mean, those, those are some of the gaming experiences that I tend to gravitate towards. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I, I, I've done plenty of that with Minecraft. A lot of it with Minecraft. You know, I like I, I, I still haven't tried Minecraft. I could turn on my Xbox One right now and download it because it comes with Game Pass. But right. it just feels like it's just one of those things. Like, is it easy to get into, or uh, I don't know. What's been your experience with Minecraft? I don't know. It just. Um... I just like the survival aspect of it. I just, I, uh, just, and then, because at first I just didn't, I was like, okay, whatever, you just build stuff. That's kind of neat. It's fun. <laughs> it seemed cool, but it's just not as rewarding as when you earn it, you know, and when you earn it by doing all the work it takes, and then you start seeing how it all works, and you just go, yeah. oh, like, oh, wow, that's okay. I get it. You know, like, kind of started to interest me more and more. But, um, yeah, I just I, I maybe it's because I'm a creative guy or because I'm a builder in real life. It makes me want to like yeah do these like neat builds, and then I start watching YouTube and see how people um, how creatively they use the materials that or you know the confines of the game that just to see how they what they come up with based on what they have. It's just kind of yeah. like, oh, wow, neat. That's that's cool. And just the way they use different elements and different materials, it's, it's cool. And then there's this weird addiction to like, okay, well, once I get, like if I can set up, you know, like a spawning machine that like gives me XP and gives me a bunch of like materials, then I can go exploring more because <laughs> I'll have like unlimited loot. And then if, I, you know what I mean? It's just like all these little things that like, they keep you coming because you just want to set up these neat little... And the fact that you can make automated farms and the, and do these intricate... I mean, like, it's just... It's really weird, like, what people yeah. have been able to pull off with the, the uh, interesting set of rules that they put forth for you. It's just... It's so creative, and it's like, oh, I want to make that. How do I do that? And that's kind yeah. of... You know, that's kind of what sucked me in big time recently. You know, I just, right. and then, and then I've to have a goal of like, I want to make something big. I want to do this or that. And like, what is it going to take to do that? And one time Lawrence redownloaded it and he was like, bro, I spent all night last night gathering up a uh, clay so that you could make bricks. And it's like, <laughs> was really hard for him to find. And he was like up till two in the morning one night just grinded for me. Oh. And, and, and and that kind of team aspect is really neat because, you know, like you can far, like if you're like, okay, guys, what do you want to do? Oh, well, let's build a bridge across that Canyon. Well, that's going to take a lot of 
material and then like one person goes away and they come back later and it's like hey guys look what i did it's like you're it's like you're showing your parents your good report card you know you're like hey look at this <laughs> look what i did i got so much material <laughs> and uh it's just it's all it's like it's one of those games where if if i had to choose one game to play the rest of my life it would be that because there's so wow. many there's so many interesting things to do within it yeah. There's so that you could it's a first person shooter in some regards because you know like cuz if you want that aspect you could you could do that. If you want to like adventure, you can do that. You can look for hidden things. You can it's just I don't know, it's just neat. It's fun. it's yeah. fun and and I've I purposely have not been jumping back into it cuz I know what it does to me. It just makes me want to keep doing it and doing it and doing it, you know. And I just know I don't have the time, so I haven't been going back to it. Right. Um but it would be uh, one thing I've never really done is I've never done I've never done it online. Like I've played online with people. Like I would go over to my dad's house and play on his PlayStation, and Lawrence would play on his PlayStation. Yeah. And then and then sometimes my cousin would join in with us, and so then it was like real fun because it's you're trying to plan out a bunch of different things, and uh, it's it, it's cool that way. But I've never joined a server. I've never been in a I've never been yeah, a part of anything like that. But it's cool. Okay. I mean, I could see how people would, you know. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. But uh, Steven, actually, PCZ Steven, he, uh, I think he has a survival world, and I'm just dying for him to just, even if he holds his phone up and gives me a tour, I would love to see what he's built, how he's built it, what he's done, you know. <laughs> but I've, uh, I think he's sent me a few pictures before of the screen, but I need like a world tour. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I didn't know Stephen was into that. Yeah, he was, uh, I think it was, it was a few years back now. I think maybe when okay. the Xbox One first came out, he yeah. uh, went out and bought himself one and then he got that for it. But I think he may have been playing it on the Xbox 360 before that. I can't remember. And okay. I, I want to say his niece was staying with uh, him because he was living with his brother at the time. Uh-huh. And I want to say that she'd be there from time to time and then they would play together a lot, which is which is cool. Right. It's really cool. But, yeah, I want to – you got to bring that up. You got to ask for for a video tour or something of one of his houses on there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I don't follow uh, Steven online. Maybe I should try to do that. Oh, uh, yeah, link up with him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, apparently Jason doesn't use the Xbox that much anymore. He's on PS4. On PS4. Yeah, he's got that that's Spider-Man the, version. Yeah, that's that, that's the one thing that has driven me absolutely crazy in terms of uh, doing anything with Jason. I mean, we checked off the bucket list item of recording a podcast together. We have not yet played any games like online together. And this, yeah, together. Neither on, have I, man. Neither on any have system. I. Yeah. And I get so jealous when uh, I think I subscribe to uh, Bill's YouTube channel where they've got that session of Left for Dead too. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. And I so just great. like. I want to have that kind of experience, even if it's only just with Jason or something. Yeah. But, but those, but it, that was one of my favorite uh, series, one of my favorite video series to watch. The just uh, Jason and Bill and Andy and the guy who was called Buggin' Who uh, <laughs> messing about and left and left for dead too. Uh, it, it was so funny. And, That's awesome. Uh, and I've had plenty of. Uh, you know, uh, 
multiplayer sessions like that were especially on like gears of war where we're just kind of goofing around and then we just start freaking out when the <laughs> the challenge uh ramps up but yeah uh, it's great yeah yeah I, I i i'm kind of still holding out hope that maybe we'll get together and do something like that but so far uh yeah maybe it's just our maybe it's just our uh schedules because i work a second hour shift and uh jason's probably at that particular point if when he can play games uh he's probably either spending time with the family and i'm just not at home to be able to do that so yeah sure yeah it was i know he he brought up some game uh, not too long ago and i was and i was thinking man i'm gonna download that and play it with him and i told him i wanted to get on but i never made it happen you know but it would be fun to get all of us together you know a couple people together and play i mean why the heck not i mean it would be fun yeah i'm up for it i don't know if i have the time but it sure sounds great (laughs) (laughs) exactly well, um, I don't know uh, what else what else I've been doing. I've I've already mentioned the the 2DS that uh, has now become the Pokemon machine. Nice and uh, Animal Crossing New Leaf. That's another game I never uh, thought right. I never thought I would spend time with Animal Crossing, but uh, New Leaf was the 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 entry in this series that I've been told is the game that you have to play if, you know, if nothing else. And it's also relaxing and it makes me happy. And nice. nice. You know, the, the state of the country has not been in a positive, uh, you know, thoughtful, resourceful, uh, you know, state for so long. Any game that can kind of make you, you know, happy and kind of forget that, you know, you know, leaders are failing us. Uh, it's, it's something that, you know, I, I can't resist. And, you know, I'm trying to avoid, you know, any political talk on this sure. thing. But, yeah. But, uh, but Animal Crossing just celebrates everything that is positive and friendly and, uh, you know, outgoing. And you're just the mayor of this town in this island and you're just looking out for everyone and, uh, you know, doing your little resource gathering, but doing so to create buildings or to create stuff within the town, and uh, and then you go fishing, of course. And you can, <laughs> uh, it's it, it's weird. There 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 is some uh, crossover, uh, some overlap with that and Stardew Valley. I mean, sounds like it. Both games kind of hit that sweet spot of just, you know, keeping me relaxed, but not relaxed enough to fall asleep or anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was when I got this 2DS. Uh, that was the first game, uh, first game I bought and downloaded because I, I needed to return back to that game. That's cool. Yeah, that's very cool. I've never I've never played one, um, but I've been tempted to get that one as well. Because yeah. I thought maybe that would be a fun one for my wife to jump in and play sometimes, maybe for Charlie <laughs> to play, you know. So I, you know, it's, this conversation is making me it's it's probing me and pushing me to want yeah. to get get something going, you know. I, again, I, I I feel like 
I feel like you know the, all this game talk is is uh, I'm hoping I'm not like making you down or anything. <laughs> that you, not that at you all. Don't, that you don't get into that you don't have the time to get into a pastime that you clearly relished when you were younger. Yeah. Well, that's you know that's even just when, life. <laughs> exactly. That's just life. And even when I was like before, I even had kids. Um, the the buddy of mine that I was talking about that uh, played Gears of War with my dad, um, he made a comment one time and he said, I noticed that you don't play a lot of video games. Like you don't play on a consistent basis. You usually play older games, but you're up on all the newer stuff and you're like into just knowing about them. And I've always listened to podcasts about them and watch YouTube channels about new stuff. And so I'm, I'm aware and I'm interested but I just don't always have the time to sit down and play them, you know, and right. get into them. But, uh, you know, like my dad recently has been playing so much Fortnite. Uh, it's, it's awesome. And I'm, and I'm like, There's hope. yeah, my dad, <laughs> man, he texted me the other day. He's like, got, got a solo win, man, to, to this week. You know, he like, whenever he wins, he gets so excited. Uh, <laughs> How old is your dad? 62. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, He's, I love it. He's always played games. We, we've always been, we were a gaming family for sure. Oh, we were like man. one of the, we were one of the first uh, families on the street to have the NES. And then he always, <laughs> he, he always grabbed up the newer games. He was always like that. He was always into it. You're, you're uh, I, to I, sound like that Tyler is. I know. I know. Yeah. Well, we didn't have as many as that kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, but, you but still. No, I don't know if anyone did. I've never, I've never That's seen crazy. so much stuff. Crazy, but, but yeah, uh, man. Um, but I still love it. I love talking about it. I love. That's why I just even to go over to someone's house and watch them play. You know, like my buddy that plays Red Dead Redemption Two. It's like I just want to hang out. Like I'll just drink a beer or something and just watch it play. You don't even have to show me anything or do anything special. Just play. You know. Right. That's that's what I like to do. Right. But yeah, don't worry about it. I've been I've been used to this sort of thing for a while. But it's not that I've gone without like I don't get to jump around and try out a bunch of new stuff. Um, but I I've put a lot of hours in Minecraft and not even that long ago, you know. Right. So it's all good. But I'm I do really want to try Stardew Valley with Charlie. I think she really liked that. I don't know if once yeah. we get into it, but maybe she would. Yeah. I think yeah. Emma played it. I'm not sure if she ever took the full plunge. Uh, Jason's daughter, I'm not sure if she went into it all the way, but I know that she was interested in it. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I mean, I've, I've chatted with Jason about this. I mean, he, it's hard, it's hard for him to gauge how much time she's spent into it because he never sees that switch. I mean, that's right. pretty much her device, <laughs> but, uh, but I, uh, even at, at some particular point, I said, look, Jason, you tell Emma there's this website called Stardew Valley Wiki. It'll tell her everything she needs to know about the game. Uh, in the, the game itself, uh, it, it has a good little tutorial mode with it. But when it comes to certain aspects of the game, like building relationships with people in town, what what what's the best gifts to get them for their birthday? Uh, the game doesn't really let you know about that, but this website does. And I was just and I and then I, I don't think I ever told. I I don't remember telling uh, Jason about the website. Maybe just for fear that 
Emma would get into it and uh, you know not be productive uh, like, <laughs> Never like, like I do, like yeah. I do. So, uh, so, uh, but uh, he says clearly she's enjoyed it. So uh, that that's, that's always good to hear. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, um, anyway, um, what else, uh, anything else you want to, uh, talk about? Cause I'm, uh, I'm kind of, I'm looking at my list here and I think I've pretty much, uh, crossed everything off the list. Uh, same here, yourself? man. No, I think, I think I'm pretty much spent and I, I'm honestly, it's getting to be a late hour for me here. And yeah. So I'm thinking, yeah, I think we've had, I've had a great time. Chit chatting with you once again, man. Always enjoy it. Whoa. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, okay. You For some reason, I accidentally hit the volume down thing on my uh, on my headset, and for a minute there, I was like, "Oh, oh no, I lost connection." <laughs> right as we're about to wrap this up, too. <laughs> yeah, I know. That would have been sad. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, it's it, it, uh, the counter is saying like two hours, 30 minutes. So I think Not that's a pretty much great time to uh, to kind of wrap it up. But man, uh, Adam, uh, I was looking forward to uh, to talking with you again to, con- to kind of continue this conversation. And uh, it, it's been well worth the wait, man. Uh, uh, and I hope we do it again sometime. So I, I, I thank you enough can't thank you enough for taking time out of your schedule to spend a couple of hours uh, with me and just, you know, just talk about the the media that we've been consuming. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. I always have a great time and this time was no different. Okay. Well, uh, we usually, here's the part where we usually try to uh, plug our social media presence or, you know, or whatever can pass for that. Where can uh, people find you if they want to? Uh, late to the party on Instagram, if they care to look into what I, I rarely post there. And right. um, I, I think it's just Adam Howard on Facebook, and I never post there either. But that's the main reason why I've kept it open, honestly, is for stuff like this. Okay. You know, just because there's so many people that I want to get in touch with that I, lis- I listen to their content all the time. So, uh, but yeah, I'm not incredibly active, but if you want to give me a me- send me a message or something there, that's where you can do it. Okay. Uh, I, of course, can be found on Instagram at Adam Sexton, uh, on Twitter at Avid Acrojam. If you're listening to this and you want to send me some email feedback, I haven't received any, but I mean, whatever, beggars can't be choosers or <laughs> whatever the expression is. Uh, but if you want to, uh, send me one at avidacrojam at gmail.com. Uh, this podcast can be heard on Anchor, Google Podcast, Spotify, Breaker, Radio Public. I've been getting that name uh, wrong on every episode that I've mentioned it. it I've been calling it like, like Radio FM or something. That's dumb. It's Radio Public. And <laughs> right on. It's, on, it's on Podbean. And, uh, and I think we'll end it right here. So, uh, Adam Howard, thank you again for joining me for this episode. Thank you for having me, buddy. All right. And this has been the Past in the Pending podcast. And remember, you cannot appreciate what you have now if you don't take into consideration what you what's came before. <laughs>